You're listening to The Scrimmage with Daniel Hargrove and Justin Domashevitz. You summed up my thoughts exactly. I was trying to do like a mix of like a fax coming in and like dial up. Because I assume that's how they do, they announce the the seating for the state tournaments. Oh. Do they do it via fax? With with dial up, yeah, fax and with faxing, yeah. Is that how they do it? I think is that so. how you found out? Actually, the the Montesano coaches faxed you guys. He actually had to wait down at the Pony Express station. Oh, the Pony Express! One of the things, one of the Look, things, father, that... the Pony Express is coming. <laughs> one of the things that the WIAA does really well or is, is the Wells Fargo wagon is. Presentation and social media. Like, in a way, I kind of would like to meet with their social media director and be like, How do you be so good at this? They actually do, they do a fantastic job of their, like, their app is really good. It's easy to use. Their social media stuff all looks crisp and clean and they post things in a timely manner. I feel like that's one, you know, there's a lot of weird stuff that happens with the WIAA, but that's one thing they do really well. It is. Yeah. That's true. So I found out. I'm going to go ahead and just say that I found out on Instagram, even though that's not actually true. (laughs) Because you were supposed to find out on Instagram? Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. As a journalist, Justin has sources. One thing that I did learn is that as the the bracket releases are like officially 11, noon, and 1, Sometimes, if you go to the web, they like the 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 official bracket that they put out on Instagram. Yes, they're really good at putting it out like right on time. Yep. But sometimes, if you go into their app and you search the bracket, yep, like five minutes beforehand, it's already in there. Ooh, sneaky! Something to think about. About to sneak. Something to think about. The two-minute drill starts now. The Seattle Seahawks got smoked. Smoked. 37-3 at Baltimore today. Cook them. The Hawks' offense managed just six first downs all game, while its defense allowed the Ravens to rack up 515 yards. Daniel, the Seahawks were the number two seed in the NFC last week. Does this game affect your view of the ceiling for this Seahawks team? You know, depending on what happened in this game, I was right about to say... All right, let's jump all in on these Seahawks. They made that big trade to get Leonard Williams. I was like, okay, if they come out and play really well against Baltimore, then I'm going to be like, okay, everybody, it's time to hop on the Seahawks bandwagon. Let's let's really start paying attention and clamoring for that Super Bowl push. And this was bad. Yeah. This does happen every now and then, so it might not be over, but it's pushed the pause button on my hype train. Yeah, they might not be very good. They, they, it's possible. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Gino might not be very good. Mm-hmm. 
That's looking very possible. Accurate. After starting the season 0-3, the Portland Trailblazers have rattled off three straight wins. Justin, does this streak change the way you feel about the Blazers' ceiling this season? Lots of ceiling questions. Stop winning. <laughs> the last thing you want is to be a mediocre team who's in the play-in and maybe gets bounced in the first round of the NBA playoffs. Be a bad team. Get a better draft pick. And they're doing this like Anthony Simons is out. Yep. Scoot Henderson's hurt now. Yep. D How and why? <laughs> like, why are you winning games? Because it's the Blazers' way. Middle be of the road and get your expectations up. Be worse. And then get a first pick and ruin it. That's Daniel. also the Blazers' way. <laughs> oh, boy. <laughs> I didn't bring it up this time. You did. Uh, Daniel, your Oregon State Beavers yeah. took down Colorado this week and moved up to 12 in the AP poll. The three remaining games on their schedule are Utah and Washington at home, then at Oregon. What do you predict the Beavers will do in those final three games? <laughs> oh, man. Dub, dub, dub. Yes, and they are the highest-ranked two-loss team in the rankings. And then they play Utah, which is, what, 13th, I think? Yeah, they're right behind them. Right yeah. behind them. Yeah. Washington and Oregon, who are 7-8. and eight. Dub, 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 college Wait, football playoffs, here we come. Five and six. Five and six, yes, yeah. yeah, sorry. Yeah, three dubs, Pac-12 title game, dub, college football playoff, Boom. dub. Yeah. <laughs> they didn't title game, as as dub. They didn't look as good as I wanted to. They'll be so good yeah. that they'll have to play another game after the title game just to beat someone again. Yeah, against like Double the Jaguars dubs. or something. They'll call it a super championship. <laughs> super ship. The sh ship. Speaking of Washington, <laughs> the fifth-ranked Huskies. <laughs> That's a good time to buzz. Well played. You can finish that. I don't. Fifth-ranked Huskies care. beat I'm the twentieth-ranked USC Trojans fifty-two to forty-two this week, and oh wait, my dad said no. They already beat Utah. They play Stanford. Yeah, oh, they did already beat Utah. Oregon State, didn't they? Yeah, I typed that in wrong. <laughs> <laughs> Stanford and Washington at home. So Stanford should then definitely be a dub. This is a misinformation pod. Uh, thank yeah. goodness for your dad. Yeah. Um, UW beat USC and knocked USC out of the rankings along with UCLA. You can have them, Big Ten. Yeah. There you go. Take them. And maybe Caleb Williams will follow through on what he said and stay in college. Yeah. And um, you can have him. What does UW need to do to get into the college football playoff? Uh, I don't think they've been very impressive lately. Like, if you look at what they did over the first month of the season, it was like, yeah, number one team. They should be number one. Yeah. And they <laughs> barely beat Stanford. They barely beat Arizona State. I think you're seeing that there's some issues with this team. Like, they're, first of all, their defense is not very good. Um, in this particular game, Penix threw for the same amount of yards as their leading rusher rushed for. Which Whoa. It's really amazing that their leading rusher rushed for 256 yards. Wow. But, you know, Penix is on a Heisman campaign and against a horrible defense at USC could only manage 256 yards passing. I don't know. Like, they scored 52 points. That's their offense lot. is good. Yeah. But I, I don't... There's no clamoring now for like, man, why isn't UW number one? UW should be number one. That's not happening yeah. because they're playing against teams that are below them and, and barely winning. Yeah. 
It is I, the Pac-12, though, where every team can beat anybody on any given I night. I feel like they need to win out, and one of the top four needs to lose, which I think isn't there going to be a game? Yeah, Ohio State-Michigan. Yeah. So so I. So you I, think that'll bounce that team and then... Well, I think that if Washington wins out, then... If the Huskies win out, they belong in the college football playoffs. Yeah. Oh, absolutely. Yeah. And I think and they'll I think get they'll, in there. I think they would be in it. But yeah. what would happen if a one-loss Pac-12 team was there? Or a two-loss Pac-12 team. Well, I That's would be hoping for a two-loss, but let's if say... If Oregon State wins out, let's say if Oregon If Oregon State wins out, they have two losses. Yeah. So it's not looking great. But if Oregon... Sorry. Yeah. Oh, if Oregon, oh, that'd be. Ugh, I can't even say that. I actually that. think Oregon could have a ugh. shot because I ugh. feel like Oregon's not good though. There was they're not going to be a one-loss team. There was some amen to that, brother. There was some <laughs> college like football analysts, town. national analysts, who were saying, like Daniel was. Yeah. Actually, Oregon should have won that game against yep. Washington. Yep. Actually, we think Oregon's the better team. So if Washington stumbles down the stretch. And Oregon does win out, and they both have one loss. Ah, don't say it's it. it's weird to think that the team who beat the other team and they have the same amount of losses would be lower, but it's possible. Yep. Because people look at Oregon as a potentially better team than Washington, the way Washington's been playing the last four out of five games. Yes, correct. Anyway, I don't know if there's anything we really mm-hmm. want to dwell on here from the two minute drill. I think. Well, again, if the Seahawks had won today, I would I was ready to be like, all right, we need to start spending significant time about these Seahawks because they're in first place and they look like a contender. And today, they looked like a pretender. Ooh, they're, good one. They looked like a tender steak. Mm, they looked like a chicken tender. They looked like a grill tender <laughs> down at Applebee's. Not. A I still team. think their defense is really good. They looked like legal tender. Their defense did to be not spent look, at a coffee shop. Their defense did not look really good today. Is there any other tenders? Their defense Chicken tender. Did, they look like a chicken tender. I said that already. Oh, dang it. <laughs> Explain it to me again with those nuggies. <laughs> <laughs> Andrew, did you have a Seahawks thought? You no, seemed I like you wanted to it, say something. I thought? think that if your offense goes one for 12 on third down... Then it's probably not all the defense. The number part. one defense in the league is not going to look like a good defense. Yeah, but should they look like a bad defense? Like I agree with how many turnovers yards. did they get? And and Wyman, one. Wyman I mean, they only turned the ball over once. They only what? got one interception. I thought they were two. No, there was one. The, I'll double the check fumble? it. The fumble was the only no. There was turnover. an interception. Oh uh, well, they also the Seahawks yeah, also got a fumble. fumble. Oh, maybe I checked yeah. the when was that? Did it happen late in the game? No, <laughs> no. It was in the first Hold half. On. Hold on. Sorry. Um, my my point just being that processing processing they, they do you look it looks so much different well, both if teams the had two offense turnovers. spends yeah. time i mean we had that happen right field. on a team that we yes. played for yes. where our defense was good but the fact that we were given 20 yards to defend a hundred times a game you're gonna give up points yeah. now this and one though in they addition, gave up a ton of yards too in a, well in but addition, you get tired and i think the seahawks are probably a top Close to a top five defense, yeah. maybe maybe top six, seven, eight. Yeah, they're only like a top twenty run defense team. Yeah. Oh my gosh! Do you guys see the time of possession in this game? Yes, that's and Baltimore why, had that's what I'm talking about. Over forty minutes. Yeah, and that's why you, you can't 40 go forty minutes on defense. What, the you best say? defense in the one for twelve. One for on twelve. Yeah, down. that can't. You and can't I think be that, one for twelve. Like didn't didn't wasn't it? They only had six first downs the whole game. Yeah. 
Yep, and the only time they scored is when they got lucky on a bomb, like on a deep play to Metcalf, and then they did nothing after that and kicked a field goal. You make a fantasy first team Hall of Fame defense. I can make them look like trash by playing quarterback on the offense. If you just keep throwing interceptions, every single, every <laughs> single, like yeah. that's that's what I'm saying. Like yeah. if it, it doesn't matter how good they are. If they have to play the entire game, it's going to be a miracle if they don't look bad. Yep, I I agree 100%. So we will try not to overreact to this game, especially on the defensive side of the ball. Yeah. When I looked at it and having admittedly not watched anything (laughs) but the highlights, I looked at it and I was like, they allowed over 500 yards? Yeah. That's poopy poop butt butt soup. Yeah. I think it wasn't a good defensive performance, but I'm not ready to say that they are a bad defense because of it. They were put in a bad spot, and they couldn't keep responding. Well, then They did it for a while, and then it just got out of hand. Let's move on to my favorite part of the show. <gasps> right as Andrew was taking a drink. Serving questions up on a silver platter where the points are made up and the rules don't matter. Time for Stump Daniel. Stump Daniel is brought to you by the law office of Jeffrey A. Damashevitz. And Daniel, this week... I have a this day in sports history for you oh. with a bonus question at the end. A bonus? On right. this day in 1995, <laughs> Daniel. On this day in 1995, I was six years old. Warren Moon became the sixth player in NFL history to eclipse the 40,000 passing yard mark. On the same day. That's a lot. Which player became the seventh to hit the same mark? Warren Moon became the sixth player in NFL history to 40,000 yards. And on the exact same day, which NFL player became the seventh to hit the mark? So you need to have... Good quarterbacks in that era. Good quarterback and a long career that you're at the, like, towards the end of. Mm-hmm. Uh, I got like three different quarterbacks in my mind in this. So I got one in I got one I got one that's up there that I'm probably gonna guess. I got another that I'm like I don't know if he ever threw for that many yards even though he was really good. Yeah, I don't think he did because he kinda started late. Although Warren Moon started late, he just played late too. Played till he was like mm-hmm. had a foot in the grave. Um, is Warren Moon still with us? I think so. So he's still got a foot in the grave. So in, in your mind, he's had a foot in the grave for about 30 years. <laughs> His football grave. Okay, got it. Yeah. He was only born in 1956, guys. He's 66 years old. Okay. Dude, he was... How old was he in 95? If he was born in 56? 38? Is that right? Is that good math? You can't ask bad me math? to do math. That's a bad job by you. Ask Sorry. me to do math. Um, I'm going to go with the, the first name that popped into my head. Okay. Dan Marino. Ooh, I'm sorry. That is not correct. What was the second name that popped into your head? Steve Young. Ooh, I'm yeah, sorry. See, that's I didn't not think correct. that was right because he, you know, he sat for a while. What was the next name that popped into your head? <laughs> Joe Montana? Oh, I'm Dang. sorry. That's not correct. You're over three. No, uh, the correct answer to the question. And <laughs> Dante Culpepper? No. Which you would have known if you looked in the smart part of your brain. Uh-oh. <laughs> is John Elway. 
A great quarterback nearing the end of his career in the mid-90s. Yep. The correct answer is John Elway. The big reason why I thought this was interesting was because when I saw this pop up and I was like, oh man, in the mid-90s, he was only the seventh player ever to have done that. Yeah. How many players do you think are over 40,000 passing yards now? When in the 90s, that was a very rare thing to have happened. Right. How many players in today's game are over... 40,000 yards. So it's including those seven, right? Including those seven. So how many people in total in the last 30 years? Correct. And I'm going to give you some of the names. Okay, well, I know Breeze and Brady. Mm -hmm. They're actually the top two in career passing yards. Yeah. I remember they were flip-flopping. They're both over 80,000. <laughs> right? <laughs> what? <laughs> what? Yeah. Actually, Brady's close to 90,000. That's nuts. He has 89,214. I'm going to say there are 30, 30 quarterbacks that have eclipsed 40,000 yards. You're pretty close. There are 23. I'm very grateful that you said that was pretty close. Well, you're within 10. So I'm counting that as close. Sweet. Uh... The lowest on this list is Johnny Unitas at 40,239. Also, I'd like to note that... I didn't that know they invented the forward pass when he played. That's why his <laughs> numbers are so crazy, because, like, from that era, other people were not doing that. Like, you look at his career stats, and compared to some of the... Like, he literally has less than half the amount of passing yards as Tom Brady, but... Era to era, if you do a peer comparison, he was head and shoulders above everyone. Yep. Do they have yards after catch stats for stuff for for like his games? Oh, for quarterbacks? That, that old of quarterbacks, I mean. You mean like back in the 50s? Yeah. Probably not. Because I wonder, it would make sense to me if he had guys who were really good at running anyway. And they would have had tons of yards taking handoffs, but... I don't think they did that back then. Like, when passes happened, they were vertical. Oh, okay. I don't think they were doing a lot of little dump-off passes. Oh, okay. I could be wrong. I wasn't around back then, so I'm I don't not, know. I am... Warren I would Moon like to learn a lot more about the history of football X's and O's. Yes. Honestly. The I evolution wouldn't. of it. I'm fun. not that interested. I want to get back to the... So, the veer? Here... <laughs> <laughs> I run three plays, just like Novocaine. Give it time, it always works. <laughs> Hashtag what the Bobcats should have done this last weekend. Ooh. Sorry. I want to give you the I, two guys. Sorry, not sorry, they would have won. I want to first off give you the two active players who are closest to reaching this mark. One of them is Kirk Cousins. He's at 39,471, so if he comes back next year after he's back from his injury. But what about Kirk Cousins' cousins? That I don't know. Also, the Red Rifle, Andy Dalton, is about 1,500 yards <laughs> yeah, from 40,000, which, like, what? <laughs> hey, uh, Red Rifle was good. I want to give you some of the lower names on this list because I think they're funny. Kerry uh, Collins okay. passed for 40,922 yards in his career. That's bizarre. Joe Flacco. Joe Flacco. for 42,320 yards in his career. Also, our very own Russell Wilson is at 42,196 for his career, despite playing in an offense that didn't really want to pass the ball. 
Anyway, that's going to conclude Stump Daniel, which is brought to you by the Law Office of Jeffrey A. Domashevitz. Oh, wait. The ace I forgot about your bonus question. <laughs> oh, I thought one of those was the bonus question. No, 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 no. This is, a, this is separate, but I thought it was funny. I was doing like a looking up this day in sports history thing, and I stumbled upon this, and I thought it was funny. Do you remember in 1999, Dennis Rodman and this celebrity were both arrested and charged with battery and domestic violence in a Miami Beach hotel. Dennis Rodman and same, this celebrity. The same Miami Beach hotel? Like, they, they were, were together and they were the charged same, okay. for domestic abuse against each other. Oh. Oh, man. What celebrity do you remember Dennis Rodman being entangled with? Gosh, that guy was a weirdo. Still is. Yeah, good point. Did you just kill Warren Moon and Dennis Rodman in one show? There should be a fine for that. (laughs) Daniel, double murder. Dennis Rodman and Warren Moon. He's also just call me a volleyball player. Uh, kills. Daniel, yeah. we need a kills per, per show stat for Daniel. <laughs> uh, i got to give you the assist on that one, though. Um, I think I got the dig. <laughs> I can't remember. I remember, I, I feel like I it was somebody who felt like their life was a train wreck, too. But gosh, I was six years old. You know, pop news... Doesn't really sound. What year were you born? What did I say? This is ninety nine. Oh, I thought you said it was ninety five. Ninety five was the quarterback question. Oh, okay, so 99. I was ten. So that okay. So you're ten. You should know what's going on in pop culture and and domestic abuse. <laughs> domestic abuse. Uh, I can't. I can't think of it right now. I just. I. I think I remember having the memory of. Yeah, that makes sense. Bad job by you. If you looked in the smart part of your brain, you would remember that the correct answer is Carmen Electra. Yep, that checks out. (laughs) As anyone who watched the last dance documentary knows that, like, people who follow basketball history and, like, off-the-court history already knew, there's some crazy stories about Dennis Rodman and Carmen Electra, even, like, while he was playing with Michael Jordan during these finals runs for the Bulls. She has stated that it was an occupational hazard to be Rodman's girlfriend. I believe he would think? state the same thing about her. Yeah. But, um, yeah, the, there's some of the stories are pretty interesting. Uh, so, bizarre. anyway, that's what, that was Stump Daniel brought to you by the law office of Jeffrey A. Domashevitz, no relation. We are very excited for a lot of what we have to talk about in the rest of this show. We have a lot of local sports. <laughs> What happened? Matthew Evans says, was that Carmen Electra? I would hate it if I'm right. <laughs> <laughs> he got it. Matt Evans got it. Nice. Speaking of Matthew Evans, hey! he is going to be our guest after we do the local sports roundup. So when we come back from this commercial break, we're going to do a local sports roundup. Then we're going to bring Matt Evans on to talk us through Let's go. the 1A state football bracket, which Montesano was officially seated seventh. How should we feel about that? How should we feel about the other weird stuff that happened on that bracket? We're going to bring Matt on to talk us through that. But quick commercial break. Oh, sorry. Go ahead. Uh, I I didn't put it in the show sheet, but can I do a little bit of story time from the Aberdeen game, too? We'll do that. Let's do that after. Let's (laughs) do that after Yeah, we can do it after Matthew. And before uh, Athlete of the Week. Okay, sounds good. So let's take a quick commercial break. 
Do you have a legal situation and need someone on your side? Let the law office of Jeffrey A. Domashevitz be your advocate. If you've been the victim of medical malpractice, suffered a personal injury, or need representation with real estate law, small business law, or estate planning, let Jeff Domashevitz put his 29 years of experience to work for you. Call Jeff Domashevitz today at 360-612-3991 or visit domashevitzlaw.com. That's D-A-M-A-S-I-E-W-I-C-Z-L-A-W.com. Thank you again to our sponsors, the Law Office of Jeffrey A. Damashevitz. What's the A stand for? No relation. And Spivey Realty Group, the sponsor of our Spivey Athlete of the Week, which we got some good contenders this week as usual. Yeah, Jane Roloff. Gosh, yeah, spoiler. We gotta get through the local sports spoiler. roundup. Spoiler! So, so then we can eventually name Jane Roloff the Spivey Athlete of the Week. <laughs> Justin, you're not supposed to be the one I'm doing sorry. that. You're I don't the know what to say. Uh, oh, you're right. Gabe Bodwell. Babe Gobwell? Yeah. Let's roll it out with the roundup. That, see, I'm just rolling? I'm trying Let's to come up with up. a thing for that. Let's round up local sports. Round up? Montecito yeah. earned a spot in the 1A state football playoffs with a 71 to nothing, not a typo, earned? win over Ernt. They Did. earned it. Did they fall asleep and win? Or they could have fallen asleep and win? No, they earned the spot. They earned it. With a 71 to nothing win over Stevenson on Friday, Torin Kreitz returned the opening kickoff for a touchdown. Then the Bulldogs recovered a hard squib kick, and Tyson um, Perry rushed for a score a few plays later. We need to stop calling that a hard squib kick. Giving Monty a... Well, it's not an onside game. Felix is a sniper. Yeah. <laughs> he He's drills like, kids. Like five times this year. Yeah. Also, I've always wondered why more people didn't do this. And he's showing me that, yes, it works. I think it's because... Why don't they do it in the NFL? I think it's because he's really good at it. Better than the NFL kicker. Oh. <laughs> Tyson Perry rushed for a score a few p- plays later, giving Monty a 14 to nothing lead before Stevenson had even run an offensive play. A pick six by Mason Rasmussen, a TD by Tarek Gunter, and two rushing scores by the aforementioned Felix Romero led to a 44 to nothing lead. Oh, also a safety by Felix Romero led to a 44 to nothing lead at the end of the first quarter. Yikes. Bodie Poehler scored once and Babe Gobwell scored twice, <laughs> all on the ground in the second frame for a 64 to nothing halftime lead. Oh. Montesano freshman Brody Williamson capped scoring late in the fourth quarter with a short touchdown run. The Bulldogs defense allowed 16 total yards, what? intercepted three passes, what? and route to its sixth straight shutout. 16 yards? Bodwell led all rushers with 105 yards on just nine carries. Montesano will be the seven seed somehow in the state tournament and will face host Freeman this week. Time and date TBD. I will guess it's going to be Friday because Friday is a school holiday anyway. Oh, that makes sense. Long trip for Freeman. It's about time they had to come over here. Sorry. Different sports. Um, Elma's football season came to a close with a 50-7 district crossover loss at La Center on Friday. It was close for a brief moment when Elma scored on a 72-yard pass play from running back Bo Muller to wide receiver Jackson Schneider to tie the game at 7 in the first quarter. But La Center then rattled off 43 unanswered points in the final three frames. 
Muller had two sacks to lead Elma's defense, and Schneider caught five passes for 109 yards to lead the Eagles' offense. Raymond South Bend finished its football season 5-4 after a 36-14 district crossover loss to Toledo on Friday in South Bend. The Ravens led 14-7 at halftime but couldn't find the end zone while allowing four touchdowns in the second half. Farrell Johnson capped his excellent senior football season with a 23-carry, 153-yard performance. Johnson and Austin Snodgrass each scored one rushing touchdown for RSB. Aberdeen's football team fell just short of a state berth after a 35-21 loss at Washugal on Saturday. The game was tied at 21 in the fourth quarter, but due in part to some Questionable officiating blunders. The Bobcats faltered in the final minutes. Aiden Watkins scored all three touchdowns for Aberdeen to cap off his solid senior season as the Bobcats' primary offensive weapon. Aberdeen finished the season with a 6-4 overall record and placed third in the 2A Evergreen League with a record of 4-2. Hoke Williams Sr. and soon-to-be Spivey Athlete of the Week, Jane Roloff, <laughs> won, the one, won the 1A state title on Saturday at Sun Willows Golf Course in Pasco. Roloff's time of 18 minutes and 28 seconds was more than 10 seconds better than the second-place runner. Montesano's girls took fifth place as a team, led by a fifth place individual finish from freshman runner Haley Schweppe with a time of 18 minutes and 57.5 seconds. Montesano soccer beat Seton Catholic in exciting fashion at the district semi. Sorry, on Thursday. Fashion. <laughs> the Bulldogs trailing 2 1 late in the match. Bethany Henderson scored in the 73rd minute to tie it up. And Addie Kersker, who just returned from injury, scored the game winner off an assist from Michaela Stanfield in the 78th minute with a bomb of a shot. Monty lost the district title to the center 3 0. Ah, the center. But already had earned a berth in the state tournament with the win over Seton Catholic. The Bulldogs will be the sixth seed in the state tournament and will open with a match against 11 seed Bellevue Christian on Tuesday or possibly Wednesday. Elma's soccer season came to an end on Saturday in Tenino with an OTPK's uh, loss to Seton Catholic. No. The Eagles opened the district tourney with a 3-0 win over Kingsway Christian, then lost a semifinal 2-1 to eventual champion LeCenter, forcing them into the loser-out winner to state match against Seton Catholic. I think this is a very That's uh, brutal. A disappointing end yeah. to Elma's season. They were district champions last year. And they beat Montesano once earlier this season. I was really hoping we get to see those teams play again at state. Yeah. I mean, I assume that they would have won had they not had to play on black turf. Yeah, Tenino's the worst. They had to play Tenino? Yeah, they're the worst. That's just demoralizing making someone go to Tenino. Yeah, agreed. <laughs> oh, it's my turn. Yeah. Sorry. Let me read it. It's Monty. I can read it. Uh, Montesano went 3-1 <laughs> at the District 4 volleyball tournament to earn third place and a trip to the state tournament. The Bulldogs opened with a 3-2 win over Castle Rock on Wednesday, then lost a semifinal match to Kingsway Christian 3-1. Monty bounced back with a straight set win over Hoquiam, then another 3-2 win over Castle Rock in a loser-out winner-to-state match, both on Saturday. In the same tourney, Hoquiam went 1-2 with its win coming against Elma in an elimination match on Wednesday. Montesano will be the 16th seed in the state tournament in Yakima and will face the top-seeded 
Well, how do you say this in Chelan? Chelan on Friday. Chelan. Luckily, that is a double elimination tournament, so I they'll get another match up. after. Like, Chelan's really good, so. What? You can have a 16-team double elimination tournament at state? It is possible. No! Only in a sport that you can play more than one game a day. What? Yeah, like basketball. Oh, what? <laughs> Moving on. What? No. Aberdeen's, well, we gave the WIAA credit for something, so now we have to give them a hard time about something. Yeah. Aberdeen's volleyball season ended on Saturday with a 3-1 loss at the 2A District 4 tournament. The Bobcats opened the tourney with a straight-set loss to Ridgefield on Wednesday, then beat Washougal 3-2 that same day to stay alive. In the Aberdeen win, Cameron Michaud recorded 40 assists and 27 digs, and Lily Camp had a double-double with 11 kills and 10 digs. Annika Hollingsworth led the Bobcats in that match with 21 kills. And that will do it for the local sports roundup. So now Andrew is going to create a Zoom link that I can send to. He sent it to you while I was reading the Montesano thing. And I was hoping that if I spoke slowly (laughs) and talked about how you should have a basketball tournament like the volleyball tournament. In Justin's defense, it's difficult to do that on a phone. Yeah, while, while you're true. keeping track of what you're going to read next. That, that's true. I, I also I had also, that thought, and then I I looked over, and I was like, oh, there's no way he's going to be able to do that. And yeah. I saw the notification <laughs> come up, and I was like, oh, maybe if I stall, he'll be able to do it. And then, uh, But then it was just too interesting because it he was about Montesano. He didn't see the notification. Yeah, didn't see it. Uh, but I'm going to level with you. I kind of stopped listening there for a minute. Are we, did I miss anything? <laughs> no, okay. you didn't miss anything. That was a filibuster that was successful, and I just ruined it. No, okay. you didn't ruin it. You showed that it was a successful filibuster. Okay, so I am excited. I bustered Phillips. Good job. What? And, oh, I see Matt in the screen. Hey! Matt, can you hear us? Yeah. All right. We so we, I can. We, can you hear me? Yes. Yes, I can. Perfect. Sweet. All right, so I want to give people oh, just, if anybody... got a nice microphone. In case anyone doesn't Thank know <laughs> um, who Matt is and how to find him, he is... Um, he has a rankings called Evans Rankings, and you can find him, I think, primarily on Twitter at Evans Rankings, mm-hmm. but he also yep. does have a Facebook and an Instagram as well. He has a website. He does rankings for high school sports across the state. He has a computer system that is head and shoulders above better than the stupid RPI that the WIAA oh, puts we're, out. We're back to taking more shots at the WIAA. Well, we, yeah. Yes. yes. Well, uh, you know what? <laughs> we're going to commend them when they do things well, and we're going to take shots at them when they do things poorly. But Matt has a ranking system that takes many more things into consideration than what the WIAA has. And he also will, in addition to having the rankings, he'll throw his own opinions in there about what the computer gets right and what the computer gets wrong. Nice. I, to, to be honest, Matt, um, I thought the Evans rankings was like some sort of organization. I just I didn't know that it was your rankings when I first heard of it. That's awesome. You would be surprised how many people actually call me Evan. I'm like, no, that's that's my last name, guys. <laughs> yeah, no, it's Evans rankings. E E V A N apostrophe S. It's Evans <laughs> rank. No, uh, but anyway, so the the main reason, and and again, I would encourage everyone who's interested in high school sports to go onto the socials and find Matt's stuff. Follow yep. Evans rankings because it's not just rankings that are going to come out but he's got this like master excel spreadsheet that has full schedules for for football and all kinds of good stuff on there so follow him on his socials um but what we really want to talk about with you today is the 1a bracket and i I have some thoughts on the 1a bracket in football as a whole as i know you do as well 
I would like yeah. to start with where Montesano is seated because that's our local team. We know that there are in 1A, there are six undefeated teams. And then there are two two lost teams in Linden Christian and Nooksack Valley that everyone believes is just as good, if not better, than some of the undefeated teams. So I think we kind of had a good feeling for what one through eight was going to be, but we didn't really know what order it was going to come in. So give us your thoughts on how Montesano ended up at seven and whether you feel like that was a fair spot. Um, in all honesty, I do feel like it was a fair spot, uh, mostly because, I mean, I had them at eighth in in my prediction. And in all honesty, for me, it came down to just, and this isn't anything that Montecito had control over, but you just, you look at their schedule and you just go, who was their signature win? I mean, yes, they have a win over Aberdeen, um, close, almost made it to state. They have a win over Eatonville, but it's not, you know, the Eatonville of the last few years. And unfortunately, this year, Tenino is down with that late coaching change. Um, so at the end of the day, for me, it was just they had two wins over quality opponents, you know, um, opponents with wins over 500. And I mean, yeah, they're smashing everybody. But I think that any good team with that schedule should smash them. I think it's fair. I mean, and and like I know you, you and I message back and forth every once in a while, Matt. And I know you you understand that my my feeling on it from the beginning was that Monty could probably end up anywhere. I could make an argument for them ending up anywhere between three and eight. I can I can make yeah. peace with it. Um, ultimately, one of my big things was I was going to be really annoyed if Lacenter ended up ahead of them and Lacenter ended up right behind them at eight. I don't think there's anybody out there who believes that Nooksack Valley and Linden Christian are worse than, you know, the undefeated teams who are here um, up in the top half of the bracket. Is there anything you can tell us about Freeman? Uh, Montesano's opening matchup is going to be against Freeman. Uh, what do you, how do you think they stack up there? They get to host them. So it's a long trip, at least for the Scotties to get there. Um, what can fans expect about uh, that opening state matchup? I can just tell you that Freeman is always a team that is just very, very tough. You know, they always seem to um, like to run the ball. They always like to just, you know, to, to, to just pound it in there. I haven't actually seen them this year um, as much as I would like to. Um, but uh, perennially, they are a team that likes to run the ball and, and try to own the line of scrimmage. Um, it's, you know, going to Monty is always a tough, always a tough task. You know, we know that we saw that Toppenish came over last year, if yeah. I remember correctly. Yeah. And, you know, and that was, yeah. it was, it was a really good game, but I mean, you know, it's, it's not easy to go over there. And especially when you're going over the mountains, I, I think I would like to, I think for Freeman, they would like to see that game on Saturday, but if it is Friday, I mean, you know, no matter what's going to be a tough, uh, a tough yeah. travel day and definitely a tough game. Well, I'm Dude. guessing that it's going to be on Friday because because of Veterans Day. Most I don't think schools are in on Friday. No. So I'm assu- I've already seen a couple games come out that they're playing at like one o'clock on Friday, which would drive me nuts personally because some people still have to work on Veterans Day. But uh, <laughs> I I do think there's a good a pretty good chance that's going to be a Friday game. Um, Daniel, do you have something you wanted to? I was just wondering, do they take any consideration? Because it seems like over the last what 10 years there's no yeah. consideration of east side to west side travel is that not a consideration at all because it seems like every single sport every yeah. single year has a spokane area team playing a team from either here or in the southwest washington and i'm yeah. just like really we can't we can't switch like a, a 10 and an 11 seed <laughs> to get it so that they don't have to travel 500 miles yeah 
I mean, well, and this it, is actually a great crazy. question for Matt because he's been on a seating committee before, so okay, he would, yeah, so he would be able to tell you like what they're telling you to look for going into it. Yeah. Yeah, so I was on the first two uh, committees. I was on the B committees uh, the first two years. And um, the biggest thing that we were tasked with doing was it was just try to avoid rematches and also try to avoid league matches, you know. And also, if we could, you know, make a couple tweaks to minimize travel, do it. Um, I, You know, there are some times where it's it's easy to, to do that, but there's also some times where you're looking at it and you're just like, I mean, this is a matchup that we saw, you know, last year, or maybe this is, you know, we want to kind of give an opportunity, you know, it, it could, it could necessarily be that maybe there isn't an easy switch to swap two east side teams and make it, you know, without having the conflict of the leagues. So I, I don't necessarily know exactly what, I mean, we'll talk about, you know, rematches coming up when we talk about, when we dive deeper into this bracket, but uh, yeah, yeah, that's, that's the, it, the, the biggest thing is just try to avoid rematches and try to avoid you know like Nia Bay to DeSales or Nia Bay to a Soton if you can make tweaks that kind of make things easier then do it yeah because it seems because I see this in basketball every year now with the with the regional round and as you could tell from listening to us before I hate the new <laughs> basketball tournament and will until it returns to the 16 team mm-hmm. format yeah. but it seems Me like too. it seems like we always have teams I mean shoot and with that tournament they're heading to the east side or th- vice versa and then driving all the way back home and then right back another four or five hour drive to Yakima. And it's like, how is this better for anything? Anyway. Well, Montesano just opened at Riverside. Yeah. You know, last year. Yeah. It's not, you can't travel a whole lot further than from Montesano to Riverside yeah. in this state. So unless you were at, you know, if La Center went to Riverside, that'd be farther. <laughs> but yeah. it's tough. Yeah. Anyway, I'm, I'm really curious about this because you look at some of these teams and at the top, it feels like it's Royal number one, no matter what. When you look at who did they play, because I'm, I'm curious to see what some of their matchups are. Because I think we get so used to seeing Royal at the top number one that we don't even really dig into who they played and how their numbers stack up. We just kind of assume that, oh, yeah, that makes sense. Royal number one. But I'm a little bit curious. The number one team in the state, what, three-time running state champ? Yeah, I think what, so. What was their schedule in their season like this year? So their schedule, they started off with Toppenish, and then they played Othello. They played Zilla, who didn't make the tournament but finished 7-3. and three. Um, And then they played Linden Christian, and then they went through their league schedule, which was Walut, Iona Benton, College Place, Connell. Connell 500, so they're not necessarily the best they've been. They did have a bye week, week seven, but that's just because nobody wanted to play them. And uh, then they took on Natchez Valley in week 10, which is a really good... I mean, Natchez Valley had a good year this year. They finished just six and four. Um, kind of a surprise, but uh, yeah, no, they've... They, I mean, they they always schedule tough. And the biggest thing for them is, you know, if they could play against, like, the Moses Lakes and the, you know, the Kamaikans and all that stuff, they would, but I don't think those schools want to play against Royal because they well, know yeah, that why would they? they're going to be battle tested. Yeah, yeah, why would they? You know, what, what's it going to? What benefit does it give to them to play against you know the best team in one A? Yeah, and I think I think that I mean you just ran through the whole schedule and like there's a lot of tough ones in there and a few state teams in there that they beat, but the Linden Christian one's the big one, and that that kind of leads to uh, the broader discussion about this 1A bracket as a whole because I know, you know, my initial thought when I looked at it was, and I realized as I was talking to my son, I wasn't even really upset that Monty was seated seven. I was upset that the second, the potential second round matchup would be a trip to Lakeside, 
which is almost six hours away. <laughs> and I was like, I don't want to make that road trip. So, but the thing I was looking at was like, man, if I was a Kings fan or like a supporter of Kings, I had them penciled in as like an obvious number two. And they end up at five with a few teams ahead of them that, man, I struggle to understand how that happened. So I was curious, like, number one, what did you think about that? And number two, like, what were the biggest things from this bracket that stood out to you as, wow, that's weird? I was shocked when I saw Kings at five. Yeah. Because, like like you said, for me, it was Royal one easily. Yeah. And then a kind of a coin flip between Kings and Lakeside for two and three, just because they both have you know a win over one of those two lost teams that was you know going to be a top eight team and it would be which do you value better do you value king's two-point win over nooksack or do you value lakeside's what eight point six point win over uh, over linen christian so i felt like that was just that was just easy right there after that you, you kind of get a little murky you yeah. could you know cashmere is really good i think cashmere at, at four is see there at four yeah, yeah cashmere at four is is top notch after that that's where I'm looking at, you know, Linden Christian, Nooksack, and then the next teams, you know, Monty and, and center. And there I was kind of like, okay, you know, valuing strength of schedule, valuing what's their best win, valuing, you know, taking a look at their losses and going, okay, how could this, you know, is this a strong enough loss? And I think in, in, in my, in my bracket, I think I had Linden Christian five. Um, I had center six, I had Nooksack seven and I had Monty eight. And for me, the biggest thing, I think uh, the, the other travesty you're seeing in here is with Linden three and Nooksack at six, you're getting them meeting in the quarterfinals. Yeah. When if they're, if they played in, in the, you know, in the, in the regular season, you got to try to, especially if it was a great game and they're two really good teams, you got to put them on opposite sides of the bracket. They should not meet until the final. Yeah. Uh, that no reason should they meet until the final. And, and Royal avoids both of them. They're both on the opposite yeah. side. They need, Royal mm-hmm. wouldn't face either of them until the title game. So yeah. that was another thing I thought was interesting <laughs> for no, you know, real apparent reason. Conspiracy theories <laughs> abound. Yeah. But I mean, and like, you know, like Royal is number, I've been saying all season Royals number zero, like, because yeah. sometimes even in the AP poll in the preseason, they'll do this cute stuff where they're like, Oh, we think Eatonville's better than Royal, or we think Nooksack's better than Royal. And so they'll come out with someone number one over Royal. And I just, I need it to be proven on the field before I'm going to really buy <laughs> that there's a team that deserves to be number one over Royal. Um, but yeah, I think, uh, and then <clears throat> since we have you, I was curious too about like, you know, our, our league um, rival Eatonville ends up at number 16 in this bracket. And, you know, we, everyone's going to analyze like one through 12. Cause I think if you look at the top 12 ish teams in this bracket, there's no pushovers there. So like, unless you're one of the top two or three teams, you're not really getting an easy state tourney game. They're all going to be hard. Um, what were your thoughts about Eatonville at 16 and kind of how the last few teams were seated? Um, I think Toppenish, Connell, 13-14, those are also going to be just tough matchups. Yeah. You know, Toppenish's record's very deceiving. They Unfortunately, they did play Cashmere already this season, and we're going to get to see that again. But, you know, so, I wasn't in the room. I didn't get a chance to stop it. It seems uh, like some weird stuff with some of the emphasis that you told us you get. You don't want right. rematches. You don't want league matchups and yet we see a couple of those things in this bracket yeah i was texting um uh rylan spencer after after the brackets came out him and i were on the cabase together and we're like wasn't this like one of the first things we emphasize like we don't want rematches and i mean just you know just kind of kind of confusing but i mean um 
going back to, to Eatonville at 16 um, on Thursday night when they uh, when they won that game, I, I got a message from uh, Skip Smith asking yeah. me, "Hey, what do you think?" And I said, "Enjoy the trip to Royal, man." <laughs> you know, I mean, it just it, it just there wasn't any doubt. I mean, it's not that Eatonville's a bad team; it's just there's so many good teams, and there wasn't yeah. a- really anybody. That I mean, let's let's look at Connell for example. If Connell loses, it's LaSalle who's going to be nine and one, you know, going into the tournament. Probably going to be in that Seton Catholic twelve uh, eleven range. But uh, I mean, there really is wasn't any spot where Eatonville could jump up, in my opinion. So, do you have a prediction? Have you have you put enough thought in it to have a prediction about you know what you think the last what do you think the likelihood of the last four teams? Um, being in this 1A bracket. like, And I'll, I'll give you that there's a specific Montesano slant here because, you know, I know um, Freeman's going to be – that's not a gimme by any means. Freeman's a really good team, but they have to make a long trip. And if Monty can take them, then they, have, they will have to make the long trip to Lakeside. And <clears throat> there's not really a lot of teams in this bracket that I'm necessarily afraid of, but Lakeside's really good. Um, I'm curious what you think, how, how it shakes out, what you think the last four teams of this tournament are likely to be and what you think our Montesano Bulldogs chances are of getting into that semifinal round. I think the chances are actually better than you think, because um, I think, you know, obviously you got to get by Freeman first and let's say, you know, that it is late. Let's assume it is Lakeside. You know, that game's going to be in Spokane. It has to be on turf, so it's probably going to be at the new stadium in Spokane, or it's probably going to be at like Ridgeline or, or Gonzaga Prep or something like that. So as we're getting into November and we're starting to see the the cold come up, you're not going to have the the hard grassy turf, you know, if like if you were playing them in this round. So that could be something that is an advantage to Monty going over there. Is it's not going to be a muddy grind them up, you know, neutralize any speed sort of a game. So, I mean, there is, I mean, there is always a chance, you know, you put two teams on the field, there's always a chance. I, I personally would probably go lean Lakeside. Um, just, I just, they have a good win over uh, Linden Christian. They've got, you know, I mean, there's, they're a really solid team um, all, all the way around. Um, elsewhere, oh man, I really want to see Nooksack and Linden play again. I hope that, I think that's going to be a great game. And honestly, I would, I would lean Nooksack, so I'd go on that left side of the bracket. I'd go Nooksack Lakeside. Cashmere Kings, I think, is what you'd see in the top half of that other bracket. I would probably go Kings. I think that, I mean, that really is a pick 'em game for me. I, I Kings has got a lot of skill, and Cashmere's got a lot of grit, and that one would probably be in Wenatchee. So that's going to be turf again, and you know that's going to be that's going to be a great game. And then honestly, you can't go against Royal on the bottom right. And so I'd probably go Nooksack, Lakeside, probably Kings, and then Royal for my semifinals. So it's interesting. So that could lead us to a potential title game matchup between the top two teams at the beginning of the year, which is you could just see a a Royal versus Nooksack, which is like everybody at the beginning of the year said those were the two best teams in State 1A. Yeah, that'd be awesome. That would be really awesome. Yeah. Um, I'm curious what um, before because you said your rankings you had Lacenter ahead of Montesano and just because I'm, I'm shifting it back to kind of my tighter view of things because I haven't looked statewide near as much but I, I generally have a fairly good feel for the Trico and for the Evergreen and my feeling this year was that Lacenter 
wasn't this wasn't one of their better years what what would you point to to have those two flipped in your mind uh coming into this week it was all non-conference for me um you know looking looking at monty's non-conference it was you know a black hills team that was kind of down this year aberdeen columbia white salmon and shelton so maybe not not necessarily the best and castle rock too castle rock week four um you know that was not necessarily the best but that's not montesano's fault you look at the you look at the center you've got you know, Hawkinson, who's down, Woodland eight and two, Kalama really strong seven and three. You know, Connell five and five, but they're you know state team. And then Mount Baker, who yeah, they're a down team, but I mean that's that's another really solid solid team right there to get you set up. So, in my opinion, that's why I would you know that's why I think that uh, the center is should be higher than uh, than money there. I think the the main one that. When I heard you first say that, or I can't remember, somebody was pointing out that Woodland win. Yeah, we and talked I, about that in the car on the way here. Yeah, and then, well, also last week, <laughs> yeah. I think some we were talking about the, right. what the rankings could be, and somebody mentioned that, you know, LaCenter beat Woodland, and Woodland won that JSHL league. And I was like, oh, that's a that's a good win. But I just watched Washougal play against Aberdeen, and to be honest, Aberdeen had the better team. And so that made me look at the Greater St. Helens League and be like, eh, maybe that Woodland wind isn't as good as I thought it was. So I don't know. That was something that I saw that kind of shook what I thought of Woodland and then in turn what I thought of LeCenter's season. But it's so weird, you know, with high school sports and you try and do all these transitive properties and, okay, this guy be that. And so, so I'm not going to get down on anything, but I had a much higher view of Woodland until I saw Washougal play this weekend, and I was like, oh, they're not that great. I'll tell you, um, when I was doing my, my 4A rankings, you know, I'm down here in Tri-Cities, so you know, we've got a lot, of, a lot of schools that are participating. We've got a transitive that will blow your mind down here. Um, <laughs> week one, Kamaya can beat Chiawana um, by seven in overtimes. Chiawana's only loss of the season. The next week, Kamaikan plays Moses Lake down here. Um, there's like a th- two-hour lightning delay. Moses Lake wins by one. And then Chiawana goes up to Moses Lake last week and beats him by 14. So you got a one-loss <laughs> Chiawana team, a two-loss Kamaikan team whose losses are to Moses Lake and Kennewick. How do you, you know, how do you do that? And I, I and, and I work at a at an elementary school that feeds to Kamaikan. I have some Kamaikan football team um, um, football staff on my on my uh, as coworkers, and I'm like. I'm not going to face these guys when I'm like, how, how, how do I rank them? And so, you know, coming out and seeing that, you know, the, the committee put, you know, Kamaikan up at six is like, okay, that's, that's cool. I mean, there's some other things, other problems I have with that bracket, but we're not talking about the four, eight bracket. Well, we, we do kind of all run into these local issues. Like, you know, we, we do uh, weekly predictions on of scores on our local teams games. And we always kind of run into like, Whoa, dude, you disrespected us. Like that kind of yeah. stuff happens. Um, I, I kind of shared, Daniel's thought on the greater St. Helens league as well. But I think, I think ultimately if you're doing a comparison between La center and Montesano, it's like, it's two sides of a coin because like La center un- indisputably played a tougher schedule, but they didn't kick the crap out of everybody all year. Like Monty did either. So it, there's like, it's just two separate arguments and it's, it's splitting hairs trying to figure out which one is actually more important. You know, Eileen Montesano for, you know, no bias, no, no, no bias, but Eileen Montesano on that. Shocker. I was also curious about your thoughts about the seating committee in general. Um, and just to set the table for it, my general opinion is that what we're doing, what the WIAA is doing now 
to seed these state teams is better than any system that we've had in the past. It was horrible when it was random districts and leagues getting yeah. seeds based on whatever the rotation is. It was even worse when they switched to RPI being what determines what seed you get. <clears throat> there are issues with this current system. Like, just for 1A as example, you know, there's nine leagues in 1A. So each league gets a representative. The representative can be a current coach, an athletic director, a former coach, or a media member. The league gets to choose, apparently, at least based on what I read. Um, but I don't see when I when the lists leak of who's on these committees that are supposed to be secret, um, <laughs> there's not media members on there. Like, And I'm not saying media members will be completely unbiased where you know league coaches and ADs will, but do you see a way that this could be improved. So like some of the things that we run into as, as issues with the way things are seated, that it would be better. Like we could remove a little bit of bias in these committees. Trust me. I'm well aware about the lack of media members on this, um, <laughs> you know, being on it the first year, it kind of was a little bit harder to get on it the second year. And then by the third year, I was like, yeah, I don't really want to go get the endorsement of two league presidents and yada, yada, yada. I was like, whatever, I'll just do my own thing. But, uh, I I agree with you that it is so much better than it used to be. It is so much better than it used to be. Um, when it comes to, you know, when you mentioned the RPI too, um, yeah, that's, you should never use the RPI for that. The RPI is outdated. It needs to be, the, the, the formula as a whole, they don't even use it for college basketball anymore. And that's why it was created back in like the 60s or 70s for college basketball. Now college basketball is like, nope, we're done. Yeah, because so, it's dumb. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, ex exactly. So, you know, so if if we're going to keep using, you know, computers unbiased thing, there's plenty of formulas out there. There's plenty of different things. But at the end of the day, we should never solely rely on computers, you know, and that's coming from a guy who would benefit very, very greatly from that. You know, it's computers are not all 100 percent right. And the fact that we have the 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 folks on the committees that, you know, can Take a look at what the computers say and take a look at what they see and go, okay, no, this is wrong. This is wrong. That's great. However, where we're at now, I the I have an idea, but the problem is is it's it's kind of impossible to make it work. Because I think what needs to happen is I think that each team needs to have a representative in the committee. I think that I think that we shouldn't have any more, you know, st uh, on the Saturday, Saturday afternoon, there should be like a time where it's like games are done by this time. Let's say 5 p.m. or something like that. Every game is done. You know who the teams are. Everybody picks a representative, whether it's a coach, an assistant coach, somebody, they all make a trip or they all get together because they know what, what they are. They know they can go, you know, they've been to all of their games. They've seen probably one, two or three other opponents there. They have, you know, good ideas. And at the end of the day, if you have 16 people in there who all have very good knowledge about their, you know, their team and their league and their opponents or whatnot, you know, you have more accountability to where if, let's say, Monty, you know, we're discussing Monty and LaCenter's seating, like we're like we're doing here, the representative from Monty and LaCenter step out of the room. And then everyone else discusses and says, okay, what are we going to do? And then they make a decision that decision makes, you know, it's happened and then they can, you know, those representatives come back, you know, it's, it's, it's very simple. It's just the problem with that though, is that, you know, they want the committee members to be able to be well-versed in every team. So they want them to, 
you got, you know, if you're going to be able to watch, if you didn't want to be able to see everybody, you're going to have to know who it is at the beginning of the season. So you can go, Hey, I'm going to go to, you know, um, let's say down here let's say i'm gonna go watch southridge week one i'm gonna go to chiawana week two i'm gonna go up to othello week three or blah blah blah, yada 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 you can set your schedule and that right there is the positivity of having media members on there we know you know we go two games we go we're we're at venues we're at two or three games a week you know it's kind of hard for a superintendent or a coach or an ad to go to two or three games a week that aren't theirs so you know i mean yeah we have a great system but there's definitely ways that we can improve it to make it better for in the future I think another hard part about that too is, you know, it would be nice to have the teams represented instead of just the leagues because I know this would never happen. I know this would never happen, but of course you wouldn't have like some year where, you know, like a Montesano person was there and they were supposed to be arguing on behalf of Elma. And of course, there would never happen that there'd be some bad 16 blood. seed. And there was the 16 <laughs> seed. Exactly. I mean, <laughs> people are human and people are dumb at different points. So that can happen. Nobody right? from Montesano is people, dumb. People can be petty. <laughs> and so, I, I mean, you could definitely see that with that situation where, oh, our league representative happens to be my team's rival. I mean, talk yeah. about a situation that's rife for criticism is is if you see something like that and i'm sure i'm sure there was montesano fans last year who were like great eatonville's our representative that that they're really gonna fight for us they but, didn't <laughs> <laughs> they but got seated four spots higher than us but that's just the kidding. that's the concern not right really. yeah it comes down to just you know you got to have people with integrity on the on the on the committees you know if yeah. they if you are going to represent the league it's got to be somebody who has the league's best interest at heart and you know um like I said serving on a couple of committees um there were some times where um we had a a team who had to talk positively about their rival and thankfully that coach had a lot of integrity and was like hey no this team is better than than us this team should be you know yeah we played close or whatever um, but the team is, you know, this is where their strengths are and all this stuff. And they did talk positively about them. And then they also in at that, at that point, you know, we, we were all still kind of, still kind of new and everything. And this coach happened to be in a, uh, in a predicament where we were deciding the eight, nine matchup in the two B tournament. And it was his school and another school. And he could have just, you know, sat there and been like, well, blah, 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 yada, yada, and just talked up his team. But no, he just, like I said, he stepped out of the room. He was, he was gone. We made the decision. Um, it happened to benefit them, but that, you know, I mean, it, you know, he came back and was like, I would have, you know, and his the funny thing is, is he came back and he said, well, I would have had it the other way. I would have had us traveling and we all kind of chuckled and, you know, moved on. But it just comes down to, you know, the integrity of the people on the committees. That's that's awesome to know that there are people like that. Well, and I think that's that's also this is a conversation. There's been just so much conversation in my house about this lately because I I don't even think yeah. it necessarily requires someone with no integrity, but sometimes just the presence of someone there can make the other people like subconsciously feel pressured to put that team higher. Mm-hmm. Where like you know <clears throat> you know we use the example of let's just throw it out there like Eatonville had a representative in a year where there's. Monty Tonino and Eatonville all all in the state tournament at the same time from our league. I don't even think necessarily that the Eatonville representative would have to like voice, 
hey, I think we're way better than these two teams, but just the person, that person's presence there and like the other people could feel like an inherent pressure to, to seed that team higher. So, and I, I, this is a weird comparison, but I've felt that way in like little league all-star selections where if you're the manager of one of the teams, when all the managers get together, they don't let assistant coaches into those meetings because they know that just the presence of that person there is going to affect what the other people decide. Well, I can tell you um, that um, at least when when I was there, um, we would have our like we, we would everyone would come in with their one to sixteen, you know, down on a piece of paper already, and hand it. We'd hand it in. Um, it'd be average. That would come up with the initial bracket, and then from there we would go make changes and whatnot. So, I mean, the when it comes to like having somebody, you know, somebody who may be slightly intimidating or something, the the initial bracket is already done before the big discussions are starting to happen. Mm. I mean, they may be able to have some some sway at that point, but they're not going to have a big effect on on the initial making of the bracket. It's good to know. It is good to know. You have a formula that you use, and we've already talked about how the RPI doesn't work. Yeah. So I'm curious, what goes into yours? Um, my formula is very basic now. Um, it's a lot. Of, it's I do. I use three main components. I use basically, did you win the game? That's forty percent of the formula right there. Um, um, I do my second metric is I call it the percentage of points scored. And that basically is like you take how many points you scored um, and then divide it by the total number of points scored in the game. So maximum amount, if, if you shut out the opponent, you get max points there. That's 20% of the bracket of, of the formula. That would help and then the other 40%. That would help Monty a lot yeah. this year, which is why <laughs> it, it did. of the, it did of the computer rankings, Monty would have been six seeded, but because Matt hates Montecito, he bumped <laughs> yep. them down mm-hmm. to eight in his, his prediction. <laughs> I'm always looking for more enemies and yeah. I figure I want to conquer, you know, West central Washington now yeah. and just kind of, you know, Get get the the you know, the, the establish the the hatred over there, um, but then the other forty percent is just uh, it's it's opponent win percentage and just kind of goes off of that. Um, my formula is not set in stone though; it's something that I'm always evolving. Every summer, I always go back and do like a re, a reseason simulation and like tweak some things. This season, behind the scenes, I'm actually running five different formulas for this season. Nice. And I'm going to do a battle of the bracket or the battle of the algorithms um, for the state tournament and just kind of see which one wins. Is it the you know the good old you know tried and true, or is it some yeah. random one I came up with at you know 2 a.m. while you know feeding my son <laughs> you know just kind of you know we're just we're gonna see what happens what i just oh. heard was matt's gonna run five simulations and whichever one puts Monty lowest that's what he's gonna run with next season you know yep. you know what's funny uh, you can tell that uh i'm gonna let my extreme bias show here i really want to know if like i want the formula and then i want to feed in some like old teams so i want to go back to 2012 <laughs> and uh run the couple of teams through that formula um because hoquiam had an uh, insanely dominant team that year that stumbled in a game and then a team that they blew out earlier in the season ended up winning the state title so you know that that would be a year it's called that being I'd better when it to. matters Daniel. shut up justin <laughs> <laughs> So I made as you said what 2012 yeah. one uh, was that Hoquiam one A at that point? Yeah. Yes. Yeah. Did they make the state tournament? Yes. Okay. Yeah. They see. lost. And then two who was the who was the other team? Montesano. 
Montesano State 2012. champion Montesano. Yeah. So I actually did during the COVID the, the COVID year. I actually did a simulation back to 2010 and did a battle a best of the decade. Oh, oh, thing. this is awesome! So, oh, I want to talk so to Matt for see. hours. Well, we have about three minutes left on the Zoom call. Oh. Yeah, let's see. So I have I have hope to 2012 Hoquiam. They were ranked 32 out of every team from 2010 to 2019. They were. Let's see, point six eight five six eight five two seven. That's pretty solid. And then I had Monty at thirteen, ten, or twelve and or twelve and two point seven seven. Yeah, they're they're a little bit better. Gotcha. Yeah, I had Monty over Hoquiam there. Yeah, uh, probably Accurate. largely in part because Monty went on to win the state title and Hoquiam lost to Kings. I find it yeah. fascinating that, that you had that information <laughs> at your fingertips. That was awesome. <laughs> I, I, that's kind of funny. You had mentioned, I was like, oh my God, say you know, say something after 2010. You're like, 2012. I'm like, let's go. I got this. I got this. Yes. That's that a was, win. That was awesome. Uh, before we before we let you go, was there anything I else? Just got, I just got a message from another uh, media member uh, that just, they texted me and they just said, Hoquiam was better than Monty that year. So <laughs> I would agree. Well, actually, I am a homer for Montesano and I would agree that Hoquiam was better that year. Yeah. Well, Justin and I broadcast... Uh, did the radio broadcast for the Hoquiam Monty game that year, and Hoquiam won oh, nice. by like thirty points. Yeah, and uh, yeah, Hoquiam Hoquiam's running really back good. broke the school individual game rushing record in that in that game. Wow. It was yeah. like three hundred and yeah. but, sixty yards or something like that. So those were all decade. That was all the way back to two thousand ten, and you said that Monty was the thirteenth best of the entire yes. decade. Mm -hmm. They That's, were second best in 2012. I had them ranked behind Royal, who was at, in at 10. Which is funny total. because they beat Royal, they beat Royal in the title way. game. Yeah. <laughs> Suck it, Royal. <laughs> anyway, uh, real quick, Matt, before we let you go, we just want to give you a chance to plug your stuff. Um, yeah. What's the best way for people to find you if they want to find your stuff on the interwebs? Oh, best place is, is Twitter. I'm always on Twitter. Um, got it going to the phone. I'm, I'm on it constantly um, at Evans Rankings. Um, the website's evansrankings.wordpress.com. If you want to go there, that's cool. Not a big deal. I'm not in it for the clicks. Um, I'm just in it for the discussion. So, yeah, just uh, that's pretty much it. Other than that, yeah, Evans Rankings. I can't remember what the Facebook one is. It's something. And then uh, Instagram's at Evans Rankings. Why, I think. I can't remember. Okay. It's Evans Rankings was Twitter taken, is where all the magic was, happens, though. Exactly. Yeah, oh. exactly. Go to Twitter. If you want to get my Instagram, I'll send you a link to it. It's not yes. a biggie. Awesome. Twitter X, whatever it's called. Yeah, it's X now, yeah, but still uh, Twitter. Whatever so, Elon's calling it these days. Uh, we did have a comment. Somebody wanted to know, is there a link to that simulation? Somebody would wants to know to, if they could go back and see how that unfolded with the, the one you're yeah. just talking about. Yeah, so if you go to um, the website, if you go to evansrankings.wordpress.com, up, up on the header, there is a link that says best of the decade. And if you click on that, It'll pull up uh, 4A to 1B football and then 4A to 1B boys and girls basketball. And I've got, oh. Uh, you know. Oh, you're speaking our language, man. Daniel, not till after the show's over. Oh. <laughs> oh, this is so cool. All right. Well, with that, we're going to let Matt go. Thank you so much for joining us yeah. and helping our Montesano fans to come to peace with where they were seated and also their path to potentially the semifinals in the state title round. So, um, again, thank you so much for joining us. Thanks, Matt. Yeah, thanks for having me on, guys. Appreciate right. it. Have a good one. You too. All right. Wow. That was awesome. Yeah, that was really good. Um, Why did we wait so long to have Matt join us? I don't know. Can we, he needs to be at least... like. Well, he said he does basketball stuff, too. Oh, yeah. I think he does all sports rankings. Like, football's kind of the big one. 
Dude, but yeah, this needs to be like once a season. Like I will, you go on his Twitter, you'll find like volleyball rankings. Like he's doing the other sports as well. Oh, he he needs to be like a fair. We need to figure out a schedule where he can come on regularly. <laughs> yeah, like like twice a week. Probably not. To, wait, <laughs> <laughs> twice a week on our weekly show. Yeah, exactly. Um, now a good time for a commercial break. Are we, are we yeah. leaving that way? Yeah, we can do that. All right, so we're gonna take a break. We got um our. Story time. We got our athlete of the week coming up, and you know, just other random things that we want to talk about. So I'm going to filibuster for a little bit because you know I should probably bring up the commercial that Daniel tried to crash, crash transition to an ad break, and then realized he had to read the ad break. Yep. Hundred <laughs> percent. Yeah, that's karma. Yeah. <laughs> Spidey Realty Group's goal is to make buying, selling, investing, and renting real estate in Grace Harbor simple. They believe in 100% transparency and unparalleled communication with local expertise, tech-enhanced, and top-notch service for their friends, neighbors, and community. Their goal is simple. Get a group of strong-willed, hard-working people together who want to make a difference in Grace Harbor and to use real estate as the means of achieving that. Voted Grace Harbor's best real estate company. Find them on Facebook or visit graceharborrealestate.com. Spivey, real Est- Spivey Realty Group, elevating small town real estate. Oh, I was so close to nailing that. It sounded perfect it to was, me. It was so close. That's because you weren't paying attention. <laughs> All right. Uh, let's see. I got some comments on here. Uh, not surprisingly, your little brother says Hoke Williams sucks. I mean, that's uh, a well-known fact. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, Rob says, thanks, Matt. Love the work you do. Keep up the good stuff. Uh, Daniel says, thanks, Matt. Uh, Travis Fox says, watch this because Matt was here. Thank you, Travis. I mean, thank you, but also, yeah. Oh, Rob says, live read problems. Yes, absolutely, 100%. Um, Did you hear that, Justin? I tried to, like, save us with a quick toss to commercial and then realized that I had to read the commercials. So that didn't actually help me at all. Did you read them? Yeah, I did. Yeah, I did. Um, So do we, do you want to do athlete of the week or story time with Daniel first? Let's start with story time. I'm very curious. I listened to the second half of your (laughs) broadcast for the Aberdeen Washougal game, but I really want to know your thoughts about the way things shook out at the end there. Yeah. So I listened to the first half and then I got busy and, Right. Listen. So all I know is that stuff went crazy. Did Did you hear any of my uh, comments about officiating? No. Okay. So that was all in the amazing. second half. They that were so all- good. I was taking quotes of you and texting them to you. Like you said this, and it's awesome. I'm so glad you did that because I haven't get, had a chance to go back and listen okay. to it yet. So I we was need cuts of it. I, for I next do. Week. Because I was reading, I was finding them and reading them to my wife. Like, she was like, oh, well, what did you say? And I was like, well, let's see. And so I was going back and reading what I was saying because you were sending me the quotes. Um, but the the, the the officiating was weird, to say the least. Well, and I think that was the thing is, like, it wasn't just calls. Like, it wasn't just a penalty here yeah. or there that was weird. It was like... They don't know where to spot the ball. Yeah. This is weird. They're spotting the ball and moving the ball. They're, they're marking off a penalty from the wrong spot. Yes. It got weird. It got weird. Um, one of the weirdest things, and uh, you have to watch the video uh, on this. If you're just listening, I I, uh, I apologize. Uh, got another comment. Of, of course, you are all lookers. Thank you, Travis. But it there was one time where the – 
Aberdeen punts the ball, right? Super high short punt, hits the 40, and spins back like I wish my pitching wedge would. Like, just <laughs> backspin for days. And as it's going back, at the Aberdeen 49, so it passes the 50, at the Aberdeen 49, it hits an Aberdeen player. I think it was Jabron Brooks. Bumps off of him. It keeps going for another two yards before it stopped at the 47. I don't know the rule, but I would assume the officials knew the rule. Is it where it first got touched or is it where it stopped? I assume it's where it stopped. That makes sense. So the sideline official goes and says it's here at the 47. The white hat comes over. Head official comes over, picks up the ball, and from me to you away does the weirdest little dance I've ever seen and like the goes hokey pokey yeah, worse he goes is it here or is it here is it here is it here and he's like I jumping back and forth I apologize to the audio audience because you're not getting to see this actual literal dance that Yeah this doing. is what the guy was doing he was going is it spotted here or is it spotted here and he did it like 3 times and I'm commentating going what is going on I'm clipping this video What is what is this guy doing and then Justin it gets better because he ends by jumping from the 49 to the 47. And I'm like, oh, that's well they're spotted. And then he spots it at the 46. Wait, that wasn't one of the yard markers that they were looking at? No. And it was completely arbitrary because he like jumped to the 47 and then went, haha, and then put it at the 46. And I was like, wait, do you out? What are you doing? <laughs> What's going on? So that was one of them. Yeah. <sighs> There was other things. I that want were you to similar. tell me about the holding call that got <sighs> marked off from the wrong spot. Which so I was just to there. set the table. Yeah. Oh, okay. <laughs> so the, to set the table for this, this was like it would have been a third and sixteen, or it ended up being a third it, and sixteen. It ended up being and it a third have been about a third and twenty-four. So it ended up being third and seventeen. Okay. Um, oh, I'm out of breath. Four Washu dance. Yeah. <laughs> and okay. this is fourth quarter with the game tied. Game's tied at 21. Yeah. Aberdeen has the momentum in this game at yeah. this moment. Yes. Because it's third and seven. Mm-hmm. And so you're like, okay, they're in a decent spot. If they get a stop here, stop them on fourth down because they're in like the weird four down territory. They'll probably go for it. They're in a good spot. The quarterback <clears throat> takes the snap, backs up. Aberdeen's defensive lineman just blast through. The quarterback does a Russell Wilson, runs backwards as he loops around the edge to escape. As he's doing that, one of the offensive linemen, about six yards, seven yards deep in the backfield, grabs the back of one of the jerseys of the Aberdeen rusher who burst through. Obvious holding call. Right. Flag gets thrown. Everything's fine. I'm like, oh, there's holding. The quarterback actually ends up running for like 20 yards. But you're like, yeah, it's holding. No, Who cares? And it's going to be, okay, I'm doing my calculations. I'm like, all right, this should be around, like, I think, like, third and 23, third and 26, somewhere in that area. And there's a long discussion. Uh, Rob says that it's where the ball's touched, so it should have actually been at the 49. Okay. So, so it's even worse than I thought it was. <laughs> actually, and and uh, if anyone doesn't know, Rob Burns would be, this is the person that taught me how to score. Mm-hmm. And, and stat football games. He right. would be like one of the first people I would ever ask if I had a question for clarification on yeah. the rule. So they're trying to figure out where to spot the ball for the holding penalty. Mm-hmm. 
Now, multiple times throughout the game, they haven't done the whole, okay, go to the specific spot and march it down like you usually see painstakingly done in all of our games where no matter what, you have to, okay, we have to go to this spot, we have to march it off, even though it's, you know, a false start. We know it's a five-yard penalty. You could just put it five yards past. You know, it's from one five-yard marker to a next. Yeah. No, they haven't done this multiple times this game. So I'm like, oh, that's weird. So in this one, the linesman, same linesman, by the way, who had the was involved in the other fiasco, is down like where I think the ball is going to be spotted. And he has the ball. And Washugal's offense is all down there. Mm-hmm. And he has the ball. And I'm like, oh, I guess they're just going to spot it down there. Meanwhile, the flag is back where the holding took place, mm-hmm. but an Aberdeen's kind of lingering around the flag, waiting for it to like get officially spotted. Mm-hmm. And then it seems like the guy's just going to spot the ball down there. So Aiden Watkins hustles over, scoops up the flag, tosses it to the white hat, you know, just trying to help you out. Yeah. The white hat goes, uh, uh and then all of a sudden the linesman comes back all the way to the line of scrimmage where the line of scrimmage was at third and seven and marks off the 10 yards from there. Ah, and at this point I'm losing my mind on the broadcast and I'm sitting right. Yes. (laughs) I'm sitting right next to the Washougal public announcer and there, and I'm looking over at him like, I'm not crazy. Right? Like I know this helps you guys, but I'm not crazy. Right. And they're like, no, this is the weirdest thing I've seen. Like, well, this is bizarre. And I'm like, what is going on? And then, of course, I watched the next play, and as you can imagine, third and 17 should have been third and 23 or third and 26. What do you think happened on the next play, Justin? They got 18 yards and a first down. 18 yards and a first down. So it sustains the drive. They score a couple plays later, and I literally, I, I can't remember the last time I've done this. Yeah. And it definitely wasn't during an Aberdeen game, because as I mentioned earlier, total Hoquiam Homer here. Yeah. I spent... Spiked my pen into the desk in front of me Whoa. as they got the 18-yard you play. You threw a pen? I spiked it. It wow. almost bounced up and hit the PA announcer's girlfriend. Like, oh, my. I was. You were almost guilty of assault. Assault and pepper. <laughs> <laughs> Here's a few quotes from Daniel around that time. <laughs> These officials are just bizarre. Now they're completely lost. <laughs> What's going on? This is bizarre. What just happened? I'm so confused. Because they their confusion spilled over to you. Yeah. And the whole press box. Yeah. <laughs> which was just me and the scorekeepers and pub PA announcers from Washougal. Who um that's a whole nother story. But yeah. So that and with the flow of the game, that was a death knell. Yeah. For Aberdeen. Right. Because they had ju- they had the momentum, they lost the momentum, they gained it back. Yes. And when Washougal scored, you could just be like, okay, that changed the entire complexion of this game because Aberdeen had just scored on a six minute and 55 second drive because running the ball is what was working the best and they couldn't do anything else. Mm -hmm. But that type of offense was extremely successful and they could not stop Aiden Watkins. They could not stop Marcus Hale. And it was there's no way that Washuko could stop them. Mm-hmm. The only thing that stopped Aberdeen was themselves. And so you had the feeling like, all right, you you stop them here on this third and 26. You force at best a field goal. And if you're Aberdeen, you're, you don't have to panic. You have like 
eight minutes left in the game, you can just keep handing it to Aiden, keep handing it to Marcus. You'll rumble down and score a touchdown. And at that point, you'll probably be up 28-24 at worst, if not 28-21. With like a minute left. With like a minute left. Yeah. You're in great spot. Instead, you're down 28-21. You start to panic because you're down. You throw an interception because you start to panic, so you stop doing what you should have just been doing the whole game. And it goes from bad to worse and then snowballs, and you end up losing a two-possession game, and everybody looks at the score and goes, oh, Aberdeen wasn't that good. They lost by two touchdowns when really they lost by one touchdown, and by really they probably should have won that game. They were a better team than Washougal. When I first saw Aiden comment on our thing last week, like, yeah, look at the teams that Washougal's been beating, though. I was like, ooh, Aiden showing a little bit of confidence. No, after watching that game, Aberdeen was a better team than that team. And it's frustrating that they lost. And it wasn't all the officials. I have a lot. I mean, Aberdeen made some mistakes. And the way that their offensive system works with having to run over to the sidelines Mm -hmm. to get the play is not only archaic, but it hurt them very, very badly in this game, especially at the end of the first half, because they do not. I'm assuming they don't know how to run a quick offense because I've never seen it. So I'm assuming they just don't know how to do it. But well, they at halftime, they had a two minute drill scenario, right? Well, they had what it should have been a two minute drill scenario, because as I mentioned, their offense was extremely effective in five yard chunks mm-hmm. on the ground. Yeah. And they started with the ball at the 20 yard line with four minutes and like 18 seconds left. And I'm like, all right, you better be moving quick because you should just be pounding the rock the whole down time down the field. But that's going to take moving quickly because it's going to take a while unless Aiden pops one for like 50. Instead, here's the play. Grady runs over to the sideline, gets a play in no certain hurry from the coaches. Runs all the way back onto the field, tells it to the huddle. They run over to their spots, and 15 seconds have gone by, at least, in between every play. So, yeah, they're marching down the field. They get to the 45, and they're marching, and then they look up at the clock, and they're like, oh, shoot, we only got a minute and 50 seconds left. And then they do something out of character, turnover happens, and it's just all shut down. It's just like there is no urgency from anybody. I was looking at the sidelines. And I'm sorry if you're an Aberdeen fan as I'm broadcasting the game. But after the first play, so there's still like four minutes and 15 seconds left. I'm going, all right, you better go. You better go. I'm saying this on my broadcast. You better go. I'm like, oh, and he runs over and gets the play. And he runs back. And he tells it to the huddle. And the huddle breaks the huddle. And now they run the play. Do you know how many Monty plays would have been run in that period of time? Six. Yes. Sometimes I don't get to talk in my play-by-play because the two-minute drill is going so quickly for Montesano. It's ridiculous. Ian will do. Ian will get done calling a play for Montesano, and I'll go to start saying something and realize, oh, I'm sorry, Montesano's running another play. I can't say anything. And instead, I had to, like, filibuster between each Aberdeen play. That seems really inconsiderate by Montesano. Yeah. Seriously, I know. I like to talk. Yeah. <laughs> but it was frustrating because Aberdeen, they were – Washougal had no answer for Aiden up the middle and for Marcus up the middle. They had no answer. 
Aiden, after the first half, had 10 carries for 80 yards and two touchdowns. What was his final stat line? Do you I had. A, I mean, I, I'm not as good as keeping stats as Ian is, mm-hmm. and there was three plays where I missed in the middle of the game because my other job called me, and I had to, like, take a commercial break and take the call and uh, do some stuff. Mm-hmm. But I had him for... 19 carries for 120 yards and three touchdowns. And he had 10 carries for 80 yards and two touchdowns after the first half. Mm-hmm. He was averaging eight yards a carry. And actually, there was a couple plays where big plays that penalties called back. And it, you know in those situations where you're watching running teams and you see a penalty and they go from first and 10 to first and 15? Yeah. And you're like, ah, they're probably not going to be able to make it. No, they were so dominant. That happened multiple times, and Aberdeen still ended up getting the first down on that sequence. Yeah. Because they were that dominant in that full house backfield where Grady was under center. They had Marcus at the fullback, and then they had Micah Schroeder and Aiden Watkins split behind him. So that is different from what they were doing earlier in the year, right? So this was an adjustment from earlier when they were doing a lot more passing and a lot more spread out stuff. And they were just pounding the rock, and it was working. And then every now and then they drop Grady into a shotgun and they do a handoff there. And that would work not as consistently, but it would still work. But good to have a change of pace. You yeah. You get a big hitter every once in a while. Exactly. And then they had one big completion on one of their touchdown drives where they threw a seam pass to Marcus Hale, who made a great catch. And they tried that same exact play three other times. And I think it was three interceptions. Mm-hmm. So it was like, like, yeah, it worked once. And Washougal was like, hey, we shouldn't let that happen again. Yeah. And then they didn't. And it was just – it was frustrating. Frustrating when you make a long trip and you broadcast a game and you think your team should win and then they end up losing. Yeah. And, again, even with all of that, they probably still win if an official doesn't do one of the weirdest things that I've ever seen and just be like, nope, this hold happened in the backfield. We're going to march it off from the line of scrimmage. <laughs> Typical referee L. Oh, man. The the PA announcer from Washougal after the game said, that film needs to be sent in of the officials to the WIAA. If I was an Aberdeen coach, I would be livid. Yeah. And I was like, yeah, me too. <laughs> yeah. Brutal. It's always hard. Like, you know, people give people give you the side eye when you blame the officials. Like, oh, yeah. we lost the game, but the officiating, blah, blah, blah. But there are times when it needs to be mentioned that the officials had a significant impact on the outcome of the game. And unfortunately for Aberdeen, you know, they, they had a good year. They finished third yeah. in a league which the top two teams are both very good. Tumwater's the number one overall seed in the uh, 2A state tournament. And I think WF West is 11 or so, but they're, I think people view them as a very dangerous team in the state tournament and they finish behind those two and ahead of the other four teams that are in the league. Right. So they had a good year. Yeah. And, you know, having a shot to go to state and missing it that way when you, when your program has struggled so mightily to get over that hump, it kind of stinks. Absolutely. Uh, Thank you to Travis. He says, uh, glad I found you guys. We'll watch again. Love me. The one a, I love the one a, I know I was just talking about Aberdeen, a two A team, but I'm a, I'm a 1A guy. And then he says, oh, yeah, go Cashmere Dogs. I'm assuming Cashmere just another one of those Bulldog mascots. Yeah, I believe so. Just, yeah. you know, one of like 100 <laughs> across the state. Yeah. yeah. We've seen a lot of Cashmere over the years, too. Like, they're one of those teams it'd that's be, always up there. It'd be nice to have a Cashmere contact, actually. So, Travis, 
be sure to watch again because I'm sure when basketball season comes around, <laughs> we'll be talking about Cashmere yet again, and we see yeah. him we see him play Monty all the time. Yeah. <sighs> so, so that was that was story time about the uh, the Washougal trip. So briefly before we get into uh, naming Jane Roloff the athlete of the week, <laughs> yeah. Um, I want to talk a little bit about Monty's game against Stevenson. What, what's there to say? Well, okay, so I <laughs> here's the seventy-one to nothing. Here's the big thing: when you see a score, can we come up with a better term for Felix Romero's sniper kick, or should we just call it the sniper kick? It's a hard squib. It's not a hard squib. Yeah, he picks out some poor, unsuspecting front line but blocker sometimes and he drills misses. him in the face. But sometimes he misses. It's hilarious. Actually, often he misses. Felix, you need to do better. Yeah. You've only hit somebody like half a dozen times this year. <laughs> it's awesome. I think that like I like um, the the strategy is like, hey, if we do this enough times, every once in a while, it's going to hit somebody. And, and when you don't, it doesn't matter. No, it doesn't. Well, it's still hard to handle because. But again, like I would say. It, Every team would probably like to do this, yeah. but not every team has a Felix Romero. Yeah. And even NFL teams. Felix is really good at this. <laughs> yeah. And sometimes I watch it happen and I'm like, what was that guy supposed to do? Like this one, it just flat out hit the guy in the face. Yeah. I and mean, it's coming in so hard. We saw it in the Elma game. Yeah. And after that player got hit in the face on the first one, he started literally like diving on the ground every <laughs> kick after that yes. there was another one <laughs> earlier in the year where it bounced right in front of the guy and he seemed like oh i'm gonna recover this but then it bounced straight up into his face so it hit him in the feet and it hit him in the face and then it bounced about 30 feet up in the air <laughs> like right to a montesano player so like this is a thing that felix is just really good at yeah um but when you go out and and you demoralize a team right off the bat yeah and then um oh uh, pax just burped Good, good push, buddy. Um, I think Stevenson came in probably knowing that they were the lesser team. Yeah. And then, you know, their coach was vocal on the sidelines about like, hey, they're better than us. You don't need to help them with penalties early in the game when the score wasn't that out of hand. Ouch. So imagine being a player hearing that. Ouch. But when... That's not good motivational speaking right there. When Monty was up 14 to nothing, when uh, Stevenson hadn't even run an offensive play, there was just a a visible deflation on the field. And, And you don't get to 44 to nothing in the first quarter just because you're that much better than a team. Yeah. Like, though they were deflated. Yep. They were defeated before the third touchdown was scored. And I, and I think also, like... Well, it sounds like, if that's the wording from their coaching staff, they were yeah. defeated that starting that week of practice. Difficult to hear. Yeah. Like, and again, I would reiterate, like, how would you feel being a player... Not great. ...and hearing your coach say that? Yeah. Um. So, so you know... It, it it was a perfect storm of like things going just right for Monty, things going just wrong for Stevenson, and then when Stevenson you see, Bulldogs, by the way, yeah, yeah, slick uniforms, by the way, maroon and baby blue, and they are pretty uh, nice. They're always nice. <laughs> I've always Justin's thought that uh, favorite colors. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, I've never been to Stevenson, but I've always told my family if we move anywhere else, we're going to Stevenson because <laughs> maroon and baby blue Bulldogs. Come on, you can keep most of your gear, hundred percent of it. Yeah, um, I think when you see a seventy-one to nothing. Like it's it's a reflex to be like oh like oh, ah yeah how that did was, that happen that was mine I would like everyone to know I was there I know this team really well early in the second quarter a lot of subs mixing in typically even in a mercy rule game you'll see starters on the offense come out for one drive 
Right. That didn't happen. So I, while like, you know, Monty definitely wanted to preserve the shutout and they wanted to have the best margin of victory possible. And everyone who was on the field tried yeah. at all times. They slowed down the offense. So they stopped running hurry up. Did they do that by sending the quarterback to the sideline? No, they just oh. stood there. Gotcha. Yeah. And watched. Yeah. Yeah. And then um, they, well, actually a few times the quarterback did come to the sideline, but I think it was once they had the JVs in and it was helpful to give him some information. I always assume that yeah. Aberdeen just in general doesn't like their quarterback and wants him to run wind sprints <laughs> the whole game. Even back, like you go back to Vik Chima. Right. He was running to the sideline every play. It's um, like, hey, do we want our quarterback to also be good at cross country? Yeah, because maybe. he's going to run about six miles during this game. Well, those are completely different. Uh, programs too yeah (laughs) yeah there might be only a single person who is still in the Aberdeen coaching jeez if that system maybe not I don't think there's any I don't think there's anybody from Beaks here when did Joe Fagerstadt start coaching well Joe's not a coach there anymore that's that's true he's coaching middle school yeah I was thinking in the whole in the whole program school program but yeah yeah so I just want to people to be rest assured significant subs mixing in in the second quarter the Justin's second half was all jv i just like it's Justin's a 71 it's a cringe thing and i don't want it to be like <laughs> oh look at what money did that ran up the score and it's not what happened okay strong bad they ran up the score. in the fourth quarter <laughs> for the last two full offensive position possessions and i was watching this closely because i have a freshman yep on this team every freshman who suited up was on the field for two well most of them were on the field for two full offensive possessions. My son was on the field for two full offensive possessions playing tackle. And they were really like trying to get get experience for all the guys who don't normally play. Yeah. You know, Stevenson also, I would say probably they, they had a lot of starters on the field, but they were mixing some guys in as well. So when you see 71 to nothing, I, I don't want people to get up into arms about it. I think it I think that it was handled appropriately. No bias. Um, but also fake news for Monty with seating. You needed <laughs> what a to, bunch of jerks you running w- up the score. <laughs> I bet the freshmen were trying their hardest. Yeah. Gosh. The other point I wanted to make about <laughs> Take, this start was taking knees, man. Although I know that Stevenson would, was like the, uh, my thought going into it was like, okay, we're going to mercy rule these guys. Like yeah. I understand Monty was way better, yeah. but Stevenson is a heavy passing team. Ooh. It was a really bad day to pass the ball. Yep. And they still tried, and and it wasn't successful either because the quarterback couldn't get a handle on it or guys couldn't catch the ball. So I think there was a lot of different um, things that led to this. A um, couple guys I wanted to mention with good performances. Gabe got over 100 yards, only carried the ball nine times, two touchdowns. Felix, which Felix Romero, which is a wrinkle to this offense that I've really enjoyed mm-hmm. in the second half of the season. He goes in there at quarterback in like a wildcat kind of a thing and, and – Pretty much every time he just runs the ball yeah. and he's so good with the ball in his hands that it, it tends to generally work. He doesn't come in and play quarterback so much as he comes in and plays Laufen. Yes. Yeah. Yes. <laughs> uh, that's a, that's a very good comparison. Um, and also Mason Rasmussen, who recently was named uh, all league on both offense and defense for Montesano, um, had a really good pick six in this game and, and had just a very good overall game. So I want to. I just wanted to shout out a few guys, and then we don't need to talk about it anymore because we're going to have some Montesano football to talk about next week as well. Well, we also. I mean, we haven't talked about the all league teams yet. Mm-hmm. So I think that's something we need to mention before we okay, name. I'll pull it up. 
never stops running Jane Roloff, the athlete of the week. Yeah. But um, she hasn't been named yet. Yeah. But, but she's going to, but not yet. Well, yeah. And it's if you go, those, actually, if you go to our Facebook page right now, there's a lot of Jane Roloff. I mean, on there. it's, it's one of those now, but not yet things. Yeah. You know? Um, so for the Evergreen Football 1A All League honors, um, Mon- the, actually East County swept all the MVP honors because you had uh, for Montesano, Gabe Bodwell named League MVP, um, Peyton Domashevitz, no relation, named Defensive MVP. What's the J stand for? And Montesano's Camden Taylor named Lineman of the Year. And then a new award because yeah. Cam's so good they had to make one for him. Yeah. Well, and I like don't. It makes sense. I don't know <laughs> if it's like one of those things that. You know, maybe it's happened before, but I don't know how long ago. I don't remember seeing it before. Yeah. Um, but they should call it, even though they probably didn't have it for this, they should call it the, it should have been the inaugural Hutton Napier Award. <laughs> well, yeah. <laughs> I think Hutton actually was the defensive MVP, wasn't he? Yeah, I think he was. I think he, he was. He was defensive MVP, first team defense, first team offense line. Yeah. He was all state, too. He was so good. Yeah. <laughs> he was so good. Yeah, well, he should have been defensive MVP if he wasn't because yeah. he led the team in tackles as a defensive end. Yes. Um, anyway, Sorry. also, Elmas Carter Studer was named Offensive League MVP. And I'll just run through our local players who were who got all league honors. Yeah, um, we don't care about Tonino or Eatonville. Second, uh, second team quarterback Tyson Perry for Monty. Sophomore who stepped in for Jackson Wilson, done an admirable job. For running back, first team, Monty's Bodie Poehler. And second team, Hoke Williams' Dominic Stansteifer. Um, as receivers, first team, I already mentioned this, Mason Rasmussen for Monty. And then second team, Jackson Schneider for Elma. In tight ends, first team for Montesano, Tyler Johansson. And second team for Hoke Williams, Chance LeBounty. On offensive line, they just did first team. They didn't do second team. But it was Nathan Dowler for Monty, Peyton Domashevitz for Monty. No relation. Tanner Thompson for Elma and Trevor Turpin for Hoquiam. On defensive line, yeah. Nathan came in as an injury replacement, didn't he? Yeah, the, it was first what? game. The first what? game. Yeah. Nathan's what a, a heck, sophomore. What a heck of a year for Nathan. Yeah. That's impressive. Yeah. That's awesome because I didn't think I could find an offensive lineman who weighed less than your son. Yeah. There he is. He's also tall. He's like 6'2". And he's also all league. What yeah. a what a year for Nathan. Yeah, That's Nathan awesome. Nathan did a great job. Yeah. And and that was one where two were like Nathan is like he's a really hard worker. He's every coach's dream. You know, he's the guy who's going to go out and do exactly what you tell him to all the time. Yeah. But he's slight. He, he's slight of frame. Yeah. He so, does not look like an offensive line. No, and he's done a fantastic job coming in. Um, and then on the defensive line, they also did only first team. So we had Tyler Johansson from Monty and Tanner Thompson from Elma. As linebackers for the first team, we had Montesano's Gabe Pahala, which I'll say right now, as a junior, I think next year, if Monty ends up top of the league, really good chance that's your defensive MVP. Uh, middle linebacker for Monty has well over 100 tackles at this point. Um, another first team linebacker, Mason Rasmussen from Monty. And then on the second team for Elma, you had two, Isaac Phillips and Bo Muller. As defensive backs for first team, you had Hoquiam Xander Jump and Monty's Bodie Polar, both very deserving. And then also, the whether you call him the missile or whether you call him five jackhammers, Elma's trading Carter <laughs> as a first team defensive back. I don't know how many jackhammers oh equals a missile, but whichever one it is, a guy who hits really hard yeah. and comes at you fast, that's Traden Carter. Yep. On the second team defensive backs for Monty, you had Torin Kreitz and Tucker Eaton. And for Elma, you had Easton Wright. 
And then as a kicker and a punter, you had Felix Romero as first team for Montesano as well. Um, just a few honorable mentions. For Elma, Kale Reeves, Dayton Brookins, and Isaac McGaffey. McGaffey only a sophomore. You definitely be hearing that name over the next couple years. For Hoquiam, Winston Kaikaka. And for Montesano, Tarek Gunter and Cohen Anderson. Tarek Gunter, also a sophomore. Another name you're going to hear a lot over the next couple years. Maybe over Montesano. the next couple weeks. Maybe, yeah. He is the starting <laughs> halfback for Monty. He's so. increasing his role, it seems like, yeah. for this team. Yeah. He's playing well. All right. Thank you for running through those. I appreciate that. So, uh, Gabe Bodwell. Yeah. Uh, athlete of the Week. No. And, well, he Aiden was, Watkins, Athlete of the Week. Uh, Gabe Bodwell got nominated for Athlete of the Week. I just nominated For Aiden over Watkins. 100 yards on just nine carries for <laughs> Monty and the win. <laughs> oh, oh, shoot. Uh, I forgot. I have a goals update. Okay. Hit uh, us with that, and then we'll name an Athlete of the Week. Right. Okay. Uh Saturday, Gulls G10 team won seven to nothing. Anna earned her third hat trick of the season and second game in a row with one. A hat trick of hat tricks? Yeah, hat tricks. Wow. Embrace of conies. No, wait, that's sorry. Uh, <laughs> Hannah or Hannah uh, also scored two in that game. The B11 team won six to two. Boys U11 team won four to two. Their season ended with an eight one and one record. Very proud of that team. Uh, this is from Coach Eddie. They also had two girls running with them, Jerrica, who scored many goals this season, and Delilah, who is a nightmare on D for opposing offenses. Jerrica and Delilah have been playing with that boys team. It's pretty awesome. Yeah. Like We've even had nominations for those yeah. girls a couple times. That is awesome. Uh, today, the B11 team won 3-2 in a very tense game. Big doubleheader win. I love tense games. Yes. Um, up to this point, the Gulls have won all four of their five games. The BO9 select team is playing right now. Uh, that was earlier this afternoon. These wins put the B11 in second. They have a great opportunity at pushing for first place. Uh, Eddie says that he would like to mention that November 25th and 26th, they will be holding open tryouts for their girls, Premier U19 and U17 teams. Um, they also are getting ready to announce tryouts for their new semi-pro women's soccer team that will be debuting in the spring of 2024. Tryouts for the girls' teams will be at Stewart Field. Uh, then lastly, the BO9 select team lost 1-2 to two to undefeated first place Bainbridge Island. The goals remain in second place. These two teams will face off again next Saturday. Uh, he would like to nominate Anna for Athlete of the Week with her three-goal performance, six goals in her past two matches. Was she the hat-trick of hat-tricks girl? Yes. She has wow. three hat-tricks this year and two in the last two, two weeks. Two in a row? Yeah, two in a row. That's pretty amazing. That's very good. Is that Jane Roloff amazing? Because that's pretty, that's pretty amazing. Uh, I don't think it's state champ by 10 seconds amazing. Mm-hmm. It's that's, really good, that's though. That's really hard to beat. It's really good, though. Also, you mentioned that they were holding tryouts for one of their teams. I would encourage anybody who has a youngster who's interested in uh, soccer or football, as some people might say, that look up the goals and try to figure out like if it's something that your child wants to pursue further. Um, Coach Daniel, Coach Eddie, the people who are involved uh, in charge of the goals have done a really great job. We've been really impressed with... Um, what a great job they do of putting the players first and, you know, they have the right mindset of development. And, and I think it's a good place for people to go if they have kids who want to take the next step into soccer. Right. 
I call it round ball kick game. Round ball kick game works too. Soccer, football, and round ball kick game. I keep having this old uh, Saturday Night Live sketch pop up in my feeds with Instagram reels or TikTok or whatever, where they're talking like when when America is founded. And they're like talking about all these things, like how they're yes. going to use the metric system and all this stuff. And they're like, and we're going to have a sport where you mostly use your hands and we're going to call it football. Yeah. And then one of the guys is like, so no kicking? And he's like, no, some kicking. <laughs> yes. so can, weird. You can use it to score points. Yeah. How many points? One or three. Yeah. <laughs> one or three. <laughs> so random. Anyway, uh, we're going to move on to our Spivey Athlete of the Week. Now, we have, was it Anna from the Goals? Yes. We also had a nomination I mentioned already for Gabe Bodwell. Aiden Watkins absolutely needs to be mentioned here, I think especially because this is the last Aberdeen football game of the season. Mm -hmm. Aiden is also a good wrestler, but I want to make sure that he gets mentioned for football because he's had just a phenomenal year. Um, Even in some of Aberdeen's toughest games, he's had a really good stat line and three touchdowns and well over 100 yards in this crossover against Washougal. Um, Jane Roloff the future Spivey Athlete of the Week for Hoquiam <laughs> Cross Country, won the state title pretty convincingly. And yeah. I watched the video of her crossing the line. And you, when she crossed the line, you couldn't really even see who was behind her. Um, I'm not sure if it lands how much 10 seconds is, but that's a really big deal. Yeah. Do you want me to count off 10 seconds? No. It takes a long time. I don't. Well, can well, <laughs> counting to 10 is not always easy. Um, so I wonder, remember what we were talking about last week? Yeah. Because she got beat at districts. Yeah. By Montesano's Haley Schweppe. Yes. And so Andrew was like, I wonder if there's, what, what's it called, Andrew? You if taper. Taper, if yeah. there's tapering going on. I think this probably proves well, that there's some sort There of might be some other on. stuff going on because I talked to some cross-country intelligent people this week. Okay, you said some other stuff like it was nefarious, but... No, 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 okay. not, nothing nefarious, <laughs> okay. but like there's a team element of cross-country that I hadn't considered. Like if you just say, for example, and I'm not saying this happened, but say, for example, you have one player for one athlete for one team who's running and you would like to stop that person. You can have all your runners make a concerted effort to get a really quick start, have your fastest runner get out front. That's not cheating. And then not I'm not saying like run interference like intentionally being oh, okay because i did that in eighth but grade be part and of i the, and i felt really bad afterwards because i thought i cheated be, but i totally did that to a kid in eighth grade cross country be part of a group which makes that other person slow down a little bit i'm and again i'm not saying i that did happened. it a lot more obvious than that i'm not saying that it <laughs> happened but i'm saying that that was one possibility that was thrown out there that like okay. hey you know if a team is like hey i want to go have our freshman win this district title that this is a possibility that could have happened also tapering is a possibility okay and i and i, I mean, also mentioned it was a personal best so there was probably some tapering involved that's how you get to personal bests gotcha yeah and that totally makes sense and it's not even just in cross country it's in track it's in swimming as andrew yeah. covered right um you know different sports do that definitely so there's other possibilities but for sure i know what jane did with her personal best at state as a senior, like it doesn't get much better than that coming yep. out on top. Um, our next nomination was for Addie Kersker from Montesano Soccer. It was a very passionate nomination, which pretty much said, I don't care what I've, what, who, if anybody scores six touchdowns or who does what anywhere, yeah. Addie Kersker should be the athlete of the week. Yeah, sorry, Forrest. Because <laughs> her goal, uh, her goal in the, the game that sent Montesano to the title game 
in the districts and also Clinched cemented state. their spot in state. She scored from like 30, I think it was like 30 yards out. Um, and also she'd been out with an injury for about a month and it was her first game back. And so for her to have that kind of impact in that money comeback was a big deal. And then finally we had some disc thrower named Higgins who did something. Yeah. I don't remember exactly what it was yeah, like a state title after having like some kind of surgery that prevented them from being able to compete in the sport for a Jami while, Tom surgery, I but believe. then, Oh, Jami Tom, Jami Tom. Yeah. yeah. And then they came back and it was like, Hey, I'm going to be like a little bit better than everyone else. <laughs> uh, that's awesome. Yeah. Oh yeah. Oh no. I made a mistake. Uh Oh, I said that I talked with someone who was intelligent about cross country. I was talking about Francis. <laughs> I accidentally called him intelligent. I didn't mean it. I did not mean it. I take it back. I I gotta say, I hope that that's not what happened. But it does kind of explain what happened, maybe. And I get the group of runners thing, like just kind of as long as they're not like intentionally getting in somebody's way. I was a. This is bad. I am embarrassed Glory about this. Days. Yeah. Uh, when I was in eighth grade, we had a district ter- meet to end the year for cross country. And there was one runner that could compete. And he really couldn't, but could compete with our best runner. And so all of us got together and we were like, yeah, we're not going to let that kid win. And so this, I didn't do this, but somebody may have accidentally possibly purposely tripped uh, at the beginning of the race it was you it wasn't me that yeah. wasn't me but Who was it say the do name. you know how a cross-country race starts yeah everybody's just in a pile mm-hmm. and so imagine someone tripping at the beginning total and accident total accident imagine the carnage that starts when somebody trip tackles somebody at the start of a cross-country race yeah it was carnage so I tiptoed through You're that. Using the term race really loosely. Yeah. Here. Yes. And then I like <laughs> ran hard as fat like to get out in front mm-hmm. of some people and then this guy caught up to me and I l- literally did like the brake check maneuver you on him. You ran interference? Yeah, like I I was like, "Oh hey, here he comes." And then I like stopped and then he bumped into me and Would went past me. Would you have been me. called for PI? And then probably. Yeah. And then I did it two more times. Cuz I didn't care about running the whole race so then i'd sprint in front of him and break check him again yeah until finally he was like stop it and like pushed me and i'm like okay i think i've done yeah, my but job you got pushed by a cross-country guy like how hard could it have that been? was not his best sport he oh. was a really good athlete really i'm Who surprised we're kind of friends now he was my high school rival back Who was it? uh he was a runner for elma uh-huh. his name is brett beerbauer oh really really good athlete. that's an elma name i know really good athlete Mm -hmm. and uh not a cross-country runner just their best athlete does he remember that you did that to him in junior high i don't know brett do you remember (laughs) do you remember daniel uh, with a pass interference on you if you're hearing this if if i'm gonna find brett bierbauer and reach out to him and ask if he remembers that if our schedule ever aligns so that he can play on one of our softball teams because i ask him whenever we have a tournament because he's really good Mm -hmm. um I'll, I'll ask him. I'll be like, hey, do you remember cross country in eighth grade? He's going to be like, like you were that, that was you. Well, at least I wouldn't want to speak to you again. At least I'm a, so the statute of limitations <laughs> is up on this. At least I wasn't Brett Turpin literally tackling him at the beginning of the race. Whoa. You just wow. put Brett Turpin on blast. So Dude, now you've made an enemy of right. you've made an enemy of Beerbauer and Turpin. Two Bretts. Two Bretts. Yeah. Anyway, it's a what double do you have against Bretts. Yeah. 
Yeah. <laughs> but, and I know we need to name a spy V athlete of the week, and that's important. Yes. And we also need to wrap up the show. Yes. But I, I need to ask you a question. Uh-oh. I felt guilty about that, by the yeah. way. This is completely unrelated. Okay. It's a total sidetrack. Okay. I had a, a very... Uh, several weeks ago, I had a very uncomfortable encounter with someone in public. Someone that we both know, who, who's a friend of ours. In which I saw this person, and usually I'm not happy to see people. Right. I was genuinely happy to see this person. It was just a kind of, of total coincidence that we ran into each other. Right. This person said, hey, how's it going? And then we went in. I went in with a hand, uh, a fist. I went in with a fist bump. He went in with a handshake. Ooh. Then it was like neither of us relented for a second. And it was like, all right. And then we both switched. Oh, that's the worst. So we ended up with this like really awkward, like half closed handed handshake. Ugh, and it, and I, I walked, I, le- I left that interaction thinking like. I was happy to see this person. I think they were happy to see me as well. And then I think I ruined it. <laughs> but they also ruined it. I think it was my fault. <laughs> you know, and this is kind of a thing that we deal with as men when you play chicken with something. Yes. Like, I went in for the fist bump because I don't love shaking hands. Right. And he went in with the handshake, and it was like, uh? I had a fist bump? <laughs> and he was like, uh? We're going to handshake? <laughs> And neither of us really wanted to give up for what felt like an uncomfortable amount of time, and then we switched it. Oh, that's not good. I really want to know who it was. Come on, I named names. It was Garrick. Oh, okay. Yeah. 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 Luckily, it all works out because yeah. Garrick's a really nice Garrick's guy. Garrick's awesome guy. Yeah. But that that's awkward. Like the. Yeah, it was like a, it was like hey, uh, hey oh it's uh, uh, yeah. Uh, what I like to do is when you go in for like a high five and someone gives you a fist bump, you do the joystick. Like you grab their fist and you go. Uh, 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 joystick. Like oh, that. weird. I've done the tur. I've seen the turkey done. What's the turkey? Like high five, and I've, then it's the this got <laughs> turkey going on there. Uh, I have a friend who now every time we see each other, um, we do like a weird high five knuckles thing like this because yeah. one time in a softball game we both like went in between and then it just ended up like that. How does this happen? Like, why know. can't we have one universal thing that everyone does to greet each other? Exactly. Like in Bible times, they just kissed on the cheek. We could. I'm not I don't want to do that. No, but I'm saying like something. I'm not saying that, but something like that. Yeah. yeah. Like, what is like a kiss on the cheek? A fist bump. I don't it's think. like two fists kissing each other. Wow. You Some people would call it this week's episode. Some people might call it fisting. <laughs> you just have two. Stop. Okay. Sorry. <laughs> Did I make a mistake? For this week's episode. <laughs> Did I say something wrong? <laughs> Did we name an athlete of the week? No. <laughs> I mean, we've named it the whole show. <laughs> Jane Roloff, congratulations. You are our Spivey Realty Athlete of the Week. It's much higher accomplishment than being a state champ. Just going to throw yeah. that out there. Like, Sorry, Jane. We know you're a senior, but you've peaked. Oh, and you have yeah. track still, but no, nope, yeah. sorry. You've like, peaked now. And I know you want a state championship, and that's cool and all. But now you can really celebrate because you are our Spivey Realty Group Athlete of the Week. Congratulations. State title. One by over 10 seconds, which is just stupid. Yeah. Jane never stops running roll off. There she goes. She just yeah. oh, she, she just ran, ran by, by ran Andrew's by. house. I would encourage everyone just just this is five seconds before we wrap up the show. Cut. I shared a video of her crossing the finish line that uh, Chad Allen posted. 
Oh, where'd you share that? At? I shared it to our Facebook page. I want to watch. I want everyone to listen to it with the sound on because there's someone screaming in the background. That's my favorite part of the whole video. <laughs> so go to our Facebook page, look up the video that Chad Allen shared of Jane crossing the finish line and hear someone in the background just screaming with excitement in a way that really brought a smile to my face. I love it. That's going to do it for our show today. So <laughs> for my co-host... Justin, fist bump is like a kiss, Tomashevitz. And my co-host, Daniel the Turkey Fist, Hargrove. (laughs) And our producer, Andrew the Tapering King, gross. I don't know. I don't know. Andrew didn't really say anything this episode. The tapering knowing guy. Yeah. Andrew the all-knowing expert of knowing things. Andrew, the Seahawks defense is still good, gross. (laughs) You've been listening to the scrimmage. 